President Trump, if you see this, please save us. <laughs> I don't even see our American flag anymore. Biden's talking with some kind of crazy flag. This is America. This is our land. Please, President Trump. Please, please, I hope you have a plan. <laughs> Listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes. You listen to the sick or not? The sick and wrong, the world source for anti-social commentary. God, what a bunch of scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world source for anti-social commentary. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Simon. Hello, I'm Kate Rambo. What's cracking there, Kate Rambo? Um, it's cold here, man. It's cold and I hurt my leg this week. Ooh, really? Out and did you slip on the ice or something? No, it, I'm, I'm not snow that there? old yet. It has been snowing. It's been very icy. No, I hurt it at work. So I've been in a very bad mood. And then because my legs hurting, so then I'm drinking more whiskey. Do you have so a cane? my hangovers are getting. <laughs> I'm not a leg mental. <laughs> you should get right? a cane. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have a cane, but it's for ornamental purposes. So wait, if you did it at work, do you get workman's comp? No, because it's like it's just a hazard of the job. So I work a physical job. This shit happens. Yeah, but if you it, let's say you got your fucking I don't know leg cut off, like would they pay for the peg leg? Yes, they would then pay for that, and I would obviously never be allowed back in the company. I would try and sue. As, do you know what? A few years back, I cut my hand at work, and I wasn't wearing gloves, and I had to go and get a stitch. And I was like, I could sue, but I also like can't be asked, so I didn't. But now I regret that. I regret that. But you guys don't... England isn't like a sue-happy culture like the U.S. No, we're I mean, not we, Yankees. We would sue our fucking landlords if we stumbled over the steps, you know, as yeah. walking outside. <laughs> you um, bunch of pussies. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, we're a sue-happy culture. So if anybody, um, especially when I used to uh, we're working at an industrial supply company, anybody mm-hmm. hurt themselves at all, they'd be like, oh, workman's comp as long as you need because they were so nervous oh. about getting sued. So you could be like, I'll take a month off, fully paid. Or maybe oh, it's sure, 80%, no. 80% of the pay. Yeah. doesn't work like that here. Oh, man. But I mean, I, I could have sued the company when I cut my hand because I, I hadn't been provided with um, PPE. So oh, I had safety a very, here, yeah. Yeah, so I had a totally big case. But this time was just, you know, a hazard of the job. It happens every so often. Well, you got to be like, like a UK soccer pull player. The like when they fall down and just be like oh, oh, acting yeah. like it's the worst injury in the world. And I then, love it uh, when they come onto the, uh, they run onto the pitch with the bucket and the mop. Like what, <laughs> what's that going to do? I just love that they're rolling around in anguish. Just like I'm, yes. I'm so injured. And it's like, oh, come on, dude. Oh, he tripped you... over a shoelace. Like, come on. But it has, yeah, my leg has hurt. hurt. My leg has hurt it this get week. some painkillers there, Kate. Well, I have, we'll get I've through been it. on the whiskey. And, yeah, it's getting better now. I'm fine. Yeah. Better. Well, um, I don't know if you noticed, but uh, this past week, an old white man replaced an old orange man as president of the United States. <laughs> I didn't actually know it. No, it's not been in the news over here at all. I was thoroughly disappointed with that inauguration. I had high hopes, you yeah. know? I had high hopes. And instead, what do we get? Fucking Lady Gaga? Like, really? Lady Gaga. Mm. No assassinations, no uprising, no revolts, no satanic pedophiles. It was just such a fucking letdown. I was bummed. 
I'm very sorry for you. I, I got to say, though, I'm loving the Bernie Mitten memes. I'm over them. I'm bored of them Are now. Are you bored of it now? This is, right, this is meme culture, isn't it? I think you've got a grace period of 24 hours. Go wild in those 24 hours. But then after that, you, you're thoroughly bored of them. And I, I guess I, I did like them. it at first, like when it first came out. Because mm-hmm. it was so, it just sort of hit the internet, like, you know. And, well, and that's stone, what the memes and, do, yeah. isn't it? Sort of yeah. hit the internet in a massive wave and just like people were going all crazy with it. I guess, uh, yeah, I'm a little bored of it now. That happened I'm bored really of fast. it. Yeah, but let's move on. Do you think Bernie hates the internet? Because he just, they just, they don't support him and his political aspirations, but they love to fucking make fun of him. Love him and his mittens. Well, that, I don't think not, they're Bernie not making fun even, of him. They're not ridiculing him. They just love no. to like uh, celebrate him. I don't think Bernie, seeing as he is older than dinosaurs, probably even knows how to turn a computer on. I'm sure he can use. I'm sure he has a, a like a, a he has an assistant. He has an assistant who will turn the computer on and show him the memes. He has an assistant who will probably show him a smartphone. The man can remember when time was invented. <laughs> he does I'm not sure... know how a computer works. I thought I thought it was funny. He was on like uh, one of the late night shows, and uh, they're explaining to him like what a meme. Like he, <laughs> yeah. you're a meme again, and he's like, "Oh, I know." I don't think he fully <laughs> grasps the concept of meme, but I mean, who does? It's like how yeah. Danzig hates memes as well. <laughs> yeah, same same deal. They're like what? Close yeah. to the same age. Yeah, Danzig um, doesn't even know how to turn a computer on. So I think my favorite thing about uh, Joe Biden being sworn in as president is just the depression and confusion and disconsolation of the QAnon followers who finally saw that their hope for the storm... You know, when President mm-hmm. Trump was supposed to bring down the deep state and expose the child, satanic child sex trafficking ring, they saw their hope just dissipate into nothingness. Leaving all the, all the followers right now are just in despair, searching for answers. They're confused. They're lost. You know, they want to know, like, what's going to happen next? Like, what do we do now? Because they, they've been waiting. They've been waiting this whole time, you know, the past four years mm-hmm. culminating in this moment that Trump's just going to like, they really did. I mean, they really thought that Trump was going to come in and just like usher in the storm, in the deep state and assume control of the presidency with martial law or whatever it was. And it just didn't happen. You know, I mean, they were, yeah, they were it's cheering like their for mom it. and dad got divorced on Christmas day. <laughs> it's all over for them having little cries. But they're also sad right now. Ron Watkins, who's the founder of 8chan, which is a mm-hmm. which is a very important website. Um, the founder of 8chan, he uh, they they think he might be Q, the anonymous Q. Um, after Biden was sworn in, he was telling his supporters that it's time for the believers just to you know keep your chins up, you know, go back to your lives, just keep on keeping on. <laughs> it's, like World War Two propaganda. We'll get through this together, guys. <laughs> we'll, we'll, You're just going to we'll hold on to your dreams. Yeah, we'll hold on your, to your dreams. Put your kids on a leash so the Clintons won't be able to duck them and harvest their <laughs> adrenochrome. Just be careful out there, but don't wear a mask. You know, don't wear a mask. You don't need to wear a mask. Just keep holding on, guys. But they, okay. really, they really were, even up to like, you know, even after what happened at the Capitol riots and up until like, you know, the, the uh, inauguration on, on um, what was that, 21st? Or 20th. Um, the final minutes of Trump's presidency, QAnon followers, like the really devoted ones, were cheering for him to do something spectacular. You know, and they instructed all their followers to come together and pray because the next five hours of the inauguration would determine the fate of the world. 
Why are um, they like this? Because they're <laughs> Christian and they're <laughs> like insane. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I've never been in obviously been uh, you know, a follower of QAnon. But I was hoping something would happen, just like them. I was like, I want something spectacular mm. to happen. So I even sat through fucking J-Lo singing America the Beautiful in Spanish. Nothing happened. It was so anticlimactic. I wish you could get at that point. <laughs> get rid just, of it. <laughs> they just killed J-Lo. <laughs> QAnon's like, well, we got one of the celebrities, you know, who are part of the satanic pedophile ring. Yeah. But sure enough, J-Lo you know, for her crimes against um actor acting ship. <laughs> That's what fears. she should be killed for. <laughs> um yeah, what was that movie she did with Affleck? Glee G-G. or G G G G G Yeah. yeah. Oh my Gee god. G Lee or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, as the day wore on on Wednesday, and Trump just gave no hints of any kind of plan to take over the US, you know, QAnon users started lamenting on 8chan that it just it doesn't make any sense. We all got played. Congratulations, you played yourself, QAnon. Do you think they feel like they've all been gaslit by the orange man before? Yes. Yeah, a lot of them think they yeah. got sold out, like they are played by the orange man. <laughs> and then the reality, but the, th- the, the fact of the matter is, and this is what blows my mind about Q and its adherence, is that the reality you know, of Biden actually becoming president was just something that they never allowed to penetrate their consciousness. Like they never, they thought it would never happen. And as it's happening... It was a jarring experience for these people. I mean, it was like an existential Reality. experience. Yeah. You know, they started questioning, like, what do we do now? And so what's happening on, like, all of these pro QAnon message boards and on HN and Parler and all that, a lot of them are, like, turning their backs on the conspiracy theory. And so the, and which prompted the, uh, you know, the uh, spokespeople on these QAnon message boards saying, if you turn your back on the conspiracy theory now, you'll be banned from the site. So, yeah. I mean, they're getting harsh. Like, you stop believing Tom Hanks is a satanic pedophile, you're banned for life, bro. That's what happens. They're getting, they're getting tough with that. So some tough loving times for these people. They need a leader, don't they? They, they need something. Because right now, they're reaching for anything. Anything to believe in. You know, um, there's even a new spin to the conspiracy theory that Biden has been the savior all along. He's actually Q. Biden is Q. So are you saying that all along this whole time it's been a leftist propaganda movement to get the left back into power? Some, some of them said that too. Yeah. Um, okay. They were saying on some of these QAnon message boards that there were 17 flags around the stage when Trump was speaking. So when Trump was giving his final farewell, there were 17 flags on the stage. Number 17 is code for QAnon, and the letter Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet. What does that mean? Oh my God, it means everything, D. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a believer now. So there you Q go. Q and on ends not with a bang, but a whimper and a whine. You know, I, they were incredibly amusing. Like the past couple of years, and we talked about them myriad times here on the show. Mm. Because their theories are just insane. And I loved how steadfast they were in their convictions. I mean, they Me really did believe that Tom Hanks is a pedophile. I mean, we had those QAnon dickheads on the show. I forget the much more successful podcast than we have. But they, we had those guys on the show a while ago and that crazy woman um, talking about it was the Wayfair conspiracy with the sex trafficking oh, yeah, and the yeah. kids and uh, you know hidden inside furniture. But for all intents and purposes, QAnon was a lame cult. Feckless, impotent, 
Facebook cult. That's what QAnon is. don't think they're gone. I think they will be back and in greater numbers. But the thing is, though, there's nothing really that insane about them. I mean, they have their crazy theories, but they don't act on it. They don't really do anything. It's all just no. they like to like sit there with their Facebook handles and on their internet forums, bitching about making memes, bitching about Trump and or bitching about Biden and the Democrats. It's mm-hmm. all a facade with them, though. It's all smoke and mirrors. Their whole fucking storm. You know, when the time came, when the time came for them, and that's I'm talking about the inauguration. When the time came for them to pick up the rattlesnake and put it on their head and fight for Donald Trump and the impending storm. They tucked their tails in between their legs and retreated to their message boards, you know, to hide behind their Patriot-themed nicknames and talk shit. Mm-hmm. See where I'm going with the brown snake? I see reference. where this segue is going. <laughs> yes, it's very well done. You're very slick. intelligent. Slick. Yeah, very slick. Very You're slivering out. into it. So this yeah. week, um, as I was I know, joyfully reading about QAnon's disenfranchisement, um, I, I got into like this wormhole. Like researching Christian doomsday cults because QAnon's kind of a doomsday cult in a sense. I mean, they're definitely mostly Christian. Then they might not all be Christian, but it's a, it's a religious group. Uh, most of the followers, and they are kind of a doomsday cult because they thought, oh, totally. You know, there's like a, the storm's coming; it's going to end, and you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of them believe in the rapture. Mm-hmm. So I started researching Christian doomsday cults and religious cults in general, and unsurprisingly, I stumbled upon. You know, the history of the Appalachian snake handler movement, which is still very active today. You know, oh, is, mean, it? is it still going? Oh, it's still going. You go to like, you can go to snake handler services in uh, Tennessee and West Virginia. Oh, I don't cool. even think it's illegal in West Virginia. Into Appalachian and, Mountains. But the thing is with the snake handlers, um, they're not some lame Christian cult on the internet wearing their fucking Viking horn hats and their locker up t-shirts. You know, sitting here whinging and whining on the internet. They're worshiping Jesus with a fucking rattlesnake on their head. How hardcore is that? It's also hardcore, but if if you're going to be dumb, you got to be tough. <laughs> I, I mean, think as well. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think that goes without saying, but it's it's a fascinating deranged cult. I think they're the real deal, the snake handlers. Like, they're mm-hmm. not, you know, they're not scared to look danger in the... Uh, in the eye with its flickering tongue and then worship Jesus, you know? Um, so anyway, I started looking into it and it's, it's fascinating. Um, so we're going to talk about George Went Hensley, who is an American Pentecostal minister who definitely popularized the practice of snake handling. And though it existed, you know, it actually developed independently across mm. several Pentecostal ministries in the South. Uh, Hensley is considered the father of modern snake handling churches. Um, so, Kate, if you have a pic of uh, Hensley here, check out this guy's crazy eyes. I you do, know he I has do. crazy eyes. Because anyone who's willing to hold, like, you know, two handfuls of fucking rattlesnakes, you got to be a crazy man. Like, look at his eyes, just thousand-yard stared, like, just looking at Jesus, holding copperheads, you know? They're cool snakes, on. Like, they will kill you. <laughs> right over in uh, over here in Britain, we only have adders. Um, they're our only poisonous snake, and they're very shy in retiring. They don't. They will not bite you, and it's they're poisonous, but they're not going to kill you. Like nobody dies from adder bites. I think the last adder bite death was probably like a hundred years ago. 
Oh, okay. Do you guys have venomous snakes other than that? Just the adder. Just the adder. But the adders are very beautiful. They're sto- they're gray and they're stone colored. I've never seen one, but I have had friends see adders before. You see rattlesnakes all the time here, mm-hmm. in Cal- especially in California. And it's the Whoa. juvenile rattlesnakes that you have to be uh, wary of because they're the ones who can't control the venom in their bites. So, yeah. I mean, if they bite you, they will kill you. The snappy. So, what's the other picture of George? This is, this is great. George in action, oh. preaching. There he is. He is, he is George. Yeah, here's on George. The, on kind the far of... left, you can see his crazy eyes, people. But he's holding like a baby rattler there. And this guy got no arm. He probably got it bitten off by a snake. <laughs> they had to like <laughs> cut it off or something. But yeah, and it, it, it just look. It looks like they're in some kind of bunker or like a shed. I think this is this will be their church, won't it? Well, it's it's rural Appalachia, so probably. And everybody in that room is uh, related. Do you know what I I know about everyone in this room? They all have bang fire record collections. Well. Possibly. It's all Hank, Hank Williams and Roger Miller. I'm telling you. I don't know. Their family trees have no branches. It's just straight up. <laughs> well, he's definitely not got a branch. He's lost it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, Hensley here was a native of rural Appalachia. Uh, he experienced a religious conversion around 1910 on the basis of his interpretation of Scripture. Uh, he came to believe that the New Testament commanded all Christians to handle venomous snakes. So you think about it, it's like, dude, what were you drinking when you were reading that chapter? Because I want some of that moonshine. I think I did read the quote. Um, was it a Mark um, 16.10 or something quote? No, it's it says, uh, Mark 16, uh, uh, 17, 18, chapters 17, 18. Or the verses, chapter seven, uh, verses 17 and 18 mm-hmm. in chapter, chapter 16 of the Gospel of Mark. Okay. And so, is this, I know nothing about the Bible, so is this Old Testament or New Testament? New Testament. Oh, is it New Testament? Okay. Yeah, this Jews, for all would the wacky never, ones. Jews would never believe this. Oh, the Jews would never play with snakes. This, this guff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, the actual quote here, which is uh, Hensley's justification of snake handling and other miraculous activities. So, I mean, that's the thing. It wasn't just snake handling these guys did, they drank mm-hmm. poison, strychnine, oh. and battery acid. They drank yeah, battery acid. Jesus would protect them, yes. Why, so, um, why does Jesus want them to drink battery, battery it's, acid? It's part of the poison. So this, the, uh, the, the quote here, the verse itself says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So if you think about it, I think the drinking the deadly things, that's, that's probably battery acid. <laughs> I think nine. you should reread that all out and do it like your preacher, Sam Kinison. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do a Sam Kinison. So he ended up being converted. You know, he had this, like, uh, this epiphany. And then he started traveling through the southeastern U.S. teaching a form of Pentecostalism that emphasized strict personal holiness and frequent contact with venomous snakes. And so uh, George was illiterate his whole life. Oh, really? And never learned to read. He couldn't read the scripture. He memorized the scripture. He memorized yeah. verses, but he never could read it. Um, but yeah. he managed to become a licensed minister of the Church of God, uh, which is in Tennessee in 1915. And he traveled through Tennessee for years, conducting Church mm-hmm. of God sanctioned services with snakes 
until he resigned in uh, 1922. Um, he, he joined back up. Don't worry about it. Uh, but he was married four times, fathered 13 kids, had many conflicts with his family because he was an incorrigible drunk. Um, he wasn't like a philanderer, but he was definitely a drunk. Traveled yeah. nonstop, you know, preaching. Never had a steady income. Um, he was arrested several times on moonshine-related charges because this was during Prohibition. Mm-hmm. And he was even sentenced to uh, a work prison, but then escaped and fled the state. Uh, he found Do you know a- who he's reminding me of? He really is giving me a bit of, like, George Jones vibes. That's who he looks like as well. He does kind he of looks, like, he looks kind of like George Jones. He definitely yeah, he, drank like all, George all Jones. All this drinking, all these shagging of the women. I don't think George, George Jones, Jones worshipped Jesus with snakes, but maybe. Maybe in, in spare his spare time. time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he established churches known as the Church of God with signs following in uh, Tennessee and Kentucky. And he had, I mean, he had small services, like ranged like, you know, 20 people to gatherings mm-hmm. of like 700 people. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Um, during, throughout his ministry, the whole time he was preaching, uh, he claimed to have been bitten by many snakes without any effect. But um, he even said at the end of his career, he had survived more than 400 snake bites from rattlesnakes. You'll never guess. I'm in two minds about this because you can be immune to snake bites because you um, build it up over time, don't you? But oh, You'll never know. guess how he died. Snake bite. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so this was in like uh, the late 19th century. So most of the information on Hensley, like if we talk about his background, it's all oral history. Mm-hmm. It was weird. I was like, I had to really search to try to find more information about this guy. Um, there were some uh, different sites, but I had to like consult the encyclopedias to find some information about Hensley. Um, so he said to his kids, 13 of them, that he was from West Virginia and that his family's roots were in Pennsylvania. But in reality, his family lived in Hawkins County, Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where he was born. Uh, one of 13 children, he lived in Tennessee and then, uh, yeah, throughout the 1880s. And then his family, in around the 1890s, moved to uh, Big Stone Gap, Virginia. And there he witnessed an elderly woman. He was a young child, and that's a very impressionable moment for him. He witnessed an elderly woman handle a snake during a revival service at a coal mining camp. And his mother and sisters, they were very religious, and he grew up in a Baptist community. But seeing this woman, young George... Seeing this woman holding the snake at this uh, service really was a very inspiring moment for him. So in 1901, he left the Baptist church and he married Amanda Winnegar. It was his first wife. Um, They lived on a farm in uh, Ultawa, Tennessee. And uh, there he worked in uh, local ore mines, which is, I imagine, a very common job. Uh, He he also helped his brother-in-law in his lumber business and... Side job, making moonshine, which I imagine nice. that's kind of like, it's probably kind of like having an Etsy store these days, you know, supplementing your income. Yeah, a bit of moonshine. A bit yeah. of moonshine. Um, he experiences an, an actual conversion while attending a holiness Pentecostal Church of God service. I think certain people, you have to have this mindset to make you open to uh, being a, accepting like a, the Pentecostal beliefs. Because it's, they're very, very extreme. They're a very extreme and uh, strict form of Christianity. I don't think a lot of people could do that. Like the whole speaking in tongues and the faith healing and all that. Yeah. It's kind of like um, 
didn't Jim Jones kind of start out as a Pentecostal preacher? Was he? I could see him. I could see him being that. He, he well, was... he stole a lot of that stuff, didn't he? Well, was he Baptist? Because a lot of uh... could be Baptist. Yeah. Because it's kind of close. Took all that stuff. Is it? Yeah. Is it close? I again, I have. I'm ignorant to these. Well, I think uh, it's close in the terms of community ways. and all that. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. So he experienced this conversion at this uh, Holiness Pentecostal Church. And this was led by an, a local evangelist, teenage son. And during at this, this moment, he walked down that service, and he forsook alcohol, tobacco, and any friendships with with people he that were deemed worldly. So if you're deemed oh, worldly, so he wasn't going to uh, associate with you. I don't think George would have liked me. <laughs> but that must have been a strong conversion to give up alcohol. Yeah, especially for a guy who. He was quite fond of it. Enjoyed a drop or two and was making moonshine. <laughs> yeah, to turn his back on it. So Hensley was initially content um, following his experience at Church of God. But then, in, in, you know, he, was, he became Pentecostal. But he still was searching for meaning. And he questioned whether he was living a righteous life. Mm-hmm. And so that's when he found solace and a fixation on this, this passage in the Gospel of Mark. You know, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name, they shall take up serpents. And so that he took literally. And so obviously, well, you yeah. know, people, historians have looked into it and uh, people have even interviewed his children. And they say that uh, this preoccupation with his, this verse uh, from uh, the Gospel of Mark all stemmed from that childhood memory of him witnessing the snake handling mm-hmm. at that revival service um, that he saw. Um, later, he recalled this one uh, experience as, as his true inspiration for becoming a snake handler and introducing snakes into his uh, preaching. He said that uh, he was doubting his salvation. So this would have been like, I don't know, 1910 or so. And uh, he yeah. started doubting his salvation and he withdrew to a, a, took a hike in a mountain looking for a sign from God, like a burning bush or something. And while he was walking up this mountain, he came upon a rattlesnake and he fell on his knees in front of it in prayer because that was the sign, this rattlesnake. Yeah. He scooped it up, insane person, placed it in a, in a sack and he took it back to his congregation and he brought the snake to the next service that he had and he took it out of the sack during the service, handled it himself unharmed and then he challenged the congregation to do the same thing you know, as a show of faith, as their you faith think in Jesus. Do you think he had a little name for his pet? Moses. Jake the snake. No. <laughs> yeah, maybe Moses. Jake the snake. <laughs> I think but, snakes are so cute. I would have a little, a little snake slivering around my house. Well, I wonder how this went down, though, the first time. Like, the first but, time when mm. you're in the service and you're just like, here's a rattlesnake, kiss it. Like, <laughs> for Jesus. Kiss like, it for Jesus. Yeah, I just wonder what people would have Not done. Heard that yet. Yeah. Well, that definitely wouldn't have worked on the Jews. We'd have been like, yeah. what's wrong with this guy? Mashugana. <laughs> you want me to kiss a snake? Are you insane? I could just see their faces just shocked. My, my, the rabbi never would have tried to pull that stunt. No. Maybe, you know about. maybe his trouser snake. I was about to say on the week on the weekend. <laughs> so at first the uh, Church of God did not object to these snake handling services. I think they were a little weirded out by it. They're like, mm-hmm. all right, this is unorthodox. This is something new. Uh, but they didn't object to it. And in 1914, 
He held a snake handling, the first official snake handling meeting with the Church of God Bishop, or no, he had a meeting with the Church of God Bishop in Tennessee. And through that, just for, just for his devotion and the fact that he had this divine revelation, um, they, uh, gave, they gave him a license as a Church of God minister, officially. So it's kind of funny, like this guy's illiterate. You know, he had to have his wife fill out the paperwork because yeah. he's completely illiterate. And uh, they're just like, well, okay, you don't know how to read. You like to handle snakes. And you had this divine revelation that God dropped a rattlesnake for you. Sure, you could be a minister. Preach him on. <laughs> yeah. That also you know, doesn't work with the on. Jews. Yeah. <laughs> you need a little no, more education can, you than that. You guys go to school for like nine years to become a rabbi. Yeah, it's like you? You, you can become a doctor with the amount of time it takes for us to, to be in school. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so he, uh, he would memorize Bible verses, you know, when he, um, when he was preaching because he couldn't read. Or sometimes he'd have one of his wives like we're one of he had a couple I mean he had five wives but he had a couple of them that would participate in the service or his sister and they would actually do read the scripture and he would just kind yeah. of sit there holding the snakes now looking at his theology Hensley's theology with the exception of the snake handling was pretty much just typical of any fundamentalist pentecostal church i mean it's mm-hmm. his teachings on personal holiness you know, it was very similar to everybody else. I mean, they condemned you know, a number of practices as being sinful, drinking, gambling, consuming alcohol, smoking, wearing lipstick, playing baseball. You know, it's like, wearing lipstick? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's sinful. So the Jezebels do. Of course you'd like that. Um, well, yeah. I'm worldly, do. <laughs> and they, they, they all, like, spoke in tongues. And, they, I mean, this is really common. So I think the only thing he really did is he just added the snake handling in there. You know, and yeah, he upheld his, the ability. Yeah, well, the ability to handle venomous snakes without harm is proof of salvation and evidence of a steadfast faith. Mm-hmm. So this was linked to speaking in tongues. So by not being bitten or harmed by the snake, God's inside of you. And that's why they would speak in tongues and roll on the ground. So you have a couple of pictures of some of the... Uh, I do. Yeah, show, show a picture of some of these, these services in action. So anybody who rejected the observance of snake handling was deemed an unbeliever. So all these guys are believers. Look at this guy with a snake. It's almost up his nose. Look at this guy. <laughs> oh, the guy in the back. Oh, yeah. He's, he's smelling something. <laughs> he's smelling God. <laughs> what do you say? So, all things work together for God, for, to them that I love God. That's what it says in the background. So another less discussed practice here. Um, was a belief that, and I mentioned this earlier, is that they could drink poison with no ill effects and touch fire yeah. without getting burned. So in some of these services, you see them like taking a torch to their hands. You know, the, the poison of choice was most often strychnine, although they would often <gasps> use battery acid or carbolic acid, which they would just drink down like a shot of liquor. How did they survive that? <laughs> or is there, or well, is there a lot things of about didn't. people dying? Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of them didn't. Uh, they mm. also would use a candle or fill the top of a bottle with a rag, which they would light and hold against their skin while praying, singing, and dancing without getting burned. And the churches maintain that members aren't forced to participate in any of these practices. And, you know, you're taught to abstain from them unless you're, quote, in the spirit. 
And so that's being in the spirit is defined as being inspired by the spirit of God to do these actions that would be deadly without his help. So that's why they're like rolling on the ground, speaking in tongues, because the spirit is inside of them. The spirit's inside the spirit, of them. Yeah. Look, yeah. at, look at this guy's like, here, baby, handle this rattlesnake. <laughs> He's trying to give his spirit <laughs> that baby. Yeah. Insane. The, do you know what? It's such a shame. There is not a looker amongst the, them, is there? Oh, my God. She's breastfeeding her child. Easy. Which one? Oh, wow. Yeah. Got to fucking tit out. Get the snake milk. Uh, Hensley himself <laughs> was a short man, very soft-spoken, and very friendly yeah. with his churchgoers. He was a very affable guy. Uh, most attendees of his services were miners or farmers from the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, congregants typically arrived to the services on horseback. Some actually, you know, the more uh, affluent ones, drove a Ford Model A. Uh, nice, many, many car. were from the holiness Pentecostal backgrounds, but uh, you know, not ex- particularly familiar with the snake handling aspect. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the early 1920s, it was a common practice in the Church of God services. Everybody was handling snakes, dancing around with snakes, enjoying snakes in the service, <laughs> putting them on their head. The heads. Yes. Yeah. Putting the snakes fashion, fashion on their head. It's a hell of yeah. a hat. Um. So That's in 1922, after, you know, the, the, uh, you know, it was taken off the snake handling, uh, the, the snake handling services here, Hensley resigned from the church of God. He cited trouble in the home. And, oh. uh, this resignation marked the zenith of the practice of snake handling in the dom- denomination. So, I mean, it was, it was at its like highest point here and he just walked away, right. walked away from it. Um, he separated from his first wife, Amanda. Um, people said that uh, it had to do with his his drunkenness and his temper, which sort of soured the relationship. But I'm thinking it had to do with snakes, because I'm sure he brought the snakes into the bedroom to test his wife's loyalty. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, to, uh, there must have been snakes t- all over the fucking house. There will have been. Yeah. It depends how much you like snakes. I think he likes snakes. Mm. I um, like snakes. So he is the father of eight children with Amanda. Whoa. Yes, vagina was a clown car. eight years pregnant. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of kids coming out of there. I don't even know how he supported them on a Pentecostal minister's salary, but... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, this was 1922. Um, So they separated in 1922. Uh, One of their children claimed that the separation occurred after an incident in which Hensley became drunk and fought a neighbor. So that could be. He definitely was Mm -hmm. uh, an incorrigible drunk. Uh, she soon left the area, found work in Chattanooga Hosiery Mill, but then became ill and bedridden. Hensley's sister and brother-in-law actually traveled to Chattanooga to take care of her. So shortly after he split with the wife, 1923 he was arrested on moonshine-related charges and sentenced Gosh. to four months in jail, fined $100. Whoa. Um, in lieu of jail time, though, he was permitted to serve a sentence at the uh, at this work workhouse, like a workhouse prison. So he was on a chain gang, constructing mm-hmm. roads. Uh, but the guards liked him. They found him likable, and they gave him other assignments. He was a genuinely affable fellow. And then uh, after being sent to go get some water for everybody, he just took off. He fled. It's on the evaded run. recapture, and then he hid in the mountains near his sister's uh, farm in uh, where is this in Tennessee? Yeah, Tennessee. And uh, he ultimately left and fled to his other sister's house in Ohio. And so mm-hmm. when he was in Ohio, that's when he returned to the ministry. I think the thing is, it's like, if he's like, shit, I can't find work doing anything else. 
moonshine business isn't picking up. Uh, let's go back to being a minister. Hey, what am I good at? I'm good at handling snakes. <laughs> handling snakes. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's got a knack for that, so he might as well yeah. do it. Um, because he was illiterate, he would have his sister Bertha. It's a great name, by the way. It's I would read passages. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she's as attractive as the women we saw in those pics. Yeah. Um, Bertha would read passages from the Bible during services. And then he would deliver a sermon on a theme drawn from those verses. Um, mm -hmm. So he ended up, uh, it was funny too, because, well, quite hypocritical, but that's pretty common with most Christian beliefs. Most religious beliefs. Most actually. religious. Religious beliefs. I'm picking on Christians. Most religious beliefs. Uh, he yeah. frequently preached on the topic of faith, of faith healing and being like faithful to your wife. Um, but then he divorced his wife in 1926. So I know how that goes. So this is when he met his second wife, Irene Klunzinger. He married her in 1927, and he was 25 years her senior. Ooh. So. Job. But I think age discrepancies didn't matter as much back then, though, you know. So after the wedding, they ended up moving to Ohio near one of it, where his brothers lived. And he, he worked in a coal mine. And Irene gave birth to their first child. Uh, soon after, they moved to a town called Malvern, Ohio, where she made, had their second child. And in uh, 1932, he moved the whole family to Kentucky and uh, there, because he, uh, he uh, came in contact with this religious layman who had seen him handle snakes in Chattanooga, asked him to come to the area and return to the ministry. And it was in mm -hmm. Pineville, Kentucky, that he built a new church of God. And he established a church himself, and he called it a free Pentecostal church. And it was during this period, 1935, he had another kid. He brought back the snake handling. And so at this point... Snake handling was, uh, I would say it was at a fevered pitch, very popular. He drew crowds for the preaching. In, in uh, North, Norton, Virginia, 500 people at an event. Several, ev several other events had um, three, 400 people. I mean, it was a huge crowd. Um, at this, uh, this particular service in Norton, Virginia, though, um, the service was thrown into disarray after a boy in the audience killed one of the snakes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to ask, so when he's doing the bigger services with the more snakes, does he have to go out and find more snakes? And then when he's doing the smaller services, is there still more snakes there? Does it, you know, do you, is it like you enter the church and you get given a snake on entry? I just think he had a big bag of snakes. And he yeah, would just like, day. he would like open up like in the middle of the service or maybe in the beginning, just open up a box of snakes and be like, take a snake. Do you, you know? think the little boy killed the snake by going woo 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 above <laughs> his head like it. a lasso? Oh, just whipping yeah. it around. No, I think yeah. what happened is like a fucking rattlesnake was coming here and the kid freaked out and stomped on uh, it. Stomped on it. Oh, yeah. that's really sad. So I have a clip here of a video from uh, one of these a, a, a typical snake handling service. And so what's what's amazing about this? And I'm going to play it so you can have some audio here. What's amazing about this is is the music is great. The music is the great. The music's amazing. Yeah. It's like rockabilly. Yeah, and everybody's so into it, too. I'm into this music, man. This is why I'm saying they all had banging record collections. I mean, it, the other thing, too, it's so joyous. Like, everybody's getting into it. They're dancing. They're carrying snakes in their hands. You know, it's... It's a jubilant affair. Like, everybody's in good spirits here. Everybody's in the spirit. Yeah, it's kind of... Uh, Not a looker amongst them. 
So to see this guy's pulling snakes out of the box over here. He's just reaching in and just grabbing these snakes out of the box. There's a box of snakes. This guy's holding one. Uh, there, okay, now this guy looks like he's having a fit. He's like in conniptions, but he's overcome with the spirit of God. This he's is when they would filled start. Filled with the spirit. This is when they would start speaking in tongues and screaming and just like that nonsensical language. God, I love the music. I would love to see one of these. You can go and see. I would love to have gone services. to this. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this girl. She's touched by God. She's, there she's are so many touched. euphemisms throughout this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. And this woman here is getting a little crazy with it too. Um, so yeah, I mean, he would have like hundreds of people that would show up at the service and go go crazy. Handling snakes, rolling around the ground, speaking in tongues, drinking poison. And so in uh, 1936, he built a house on the back of a trailer truck. He drove to Florida to hold these revival services. Because I imagine this was exceptionally popular in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he drew like hundreds of people, these snake handling services. And uh, in, he, in one, one particular service in Bartow, Florida, he had 780 people attend one of his tent revival uh, meetings. Um, there's during this service, during a service in Barrow, uh, which I think another town, Florida, a young agricultural worker was bitten by a snake and became ill. Hensley then addressed uh, reporters that were on the scene and claimed that the man was bitten because he was not quite ready for the demonstrations of the power. He wasn't filled with the spirit yet. Not yet. He predicted mm. that the young man would miraculously recover, but the man died. This is the first death by snake bite to occur at one of Henley's services. And uh, he even conducted the funeral, but then left the area for fear of prosecution. How's that to reaffirm your faith? Yeah. Um, He then traveled to Ohio to bring one of his sons to live with with, uh, a sister of Irene and then returned to Pineville, Kentucky, where he worked as a railroad conductor. You could get any job back then. Yeah, you didn't need experience or qualifications. Yeah. No, you just—it's like I want to go fly an airplane. Sure enough, here you go fly an airplane. You know, it's like it didn't matter. Um, and anybody apparently can be a pastor. And so, yeah, he uh, pastored the East Pineville Church of God. Um, there, he was actually arrested for handling snakes. So it became oh. they're starting to outlaw the practice, and okay. I, he had to jettison off to Knoxville, Tennessee, where he bought a farm. How many um, states is this man going to get kicked out of? <laughs> I think he just kind of did a tour of the South, like West Virginia, yeah. Tennessee, Alabama, Florida. Um, he lived in Tennessee until at least late 1941. And then he moved to Indiana after separating from Irene. So All this moving about, man. It's so exhausting moving, George. And not to mention, he just went from like wife to wife. Yeah, you know? state to state, new wife to new wife. He's got a wife in every state, hasn't he? Yeah, and I don't quite mm. get it. And so when, uh, yeah, by this point, though, the snake handling had been losing its popularity. And uh, a lot of uh, groups had moved on to non-Trinitarianism, which became a bit of a trend. That's where oh. you don't believe in, like, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You just oh, reject okay. the, whole, the Holy Trinity. And so um, various churches. So what churches, do you believe in, then? I think you just believe in like uh, Jesus and God. You don't think there's like a three spirit thing. There's no, they're not having a freeway. Yeah, there's it's no three way. No, no Holy Spirit taking taking over. Okay. Um, 
various churches in the in the area then also banned snake practice, like the practice of snake handling. Mm-hmm. So it kind of fell out of vogue. Um, so it was around 1943 that uh, a young student of Hensley, Raymond Hayes, arrived in uh, in Tennessee and began successfully preaching about snake handling. It started picking up again, started getting some momentum, a little bit of a resurrection here. And so <laughs> Hensley and Hayes started a church together in 1945, which they called the Dolly Pond Church of God <gasps> with signs following. I think you all know what I thought you were going to say then. The I know, Dolly same, Parton. When I first <laughs> yeah. read it, I was thinking the Dolly Parton. I, was like, I would be surprised if she was a snake handler. That'd be she, amazing. Dolly Parton could do anything. Anything. She can do anything, anything that woman. Yes. And plus, mm. this is in uh, near Knoxville, Tennessee. And so that's where she's from. Isn't she from like yeah. Smoky Mountains, that whole area? She is from um, that area. So it wouldn't be surprising if her relatives, because she's got a crap ton of relatives, haven't they? They all work at Dolly World. They wouldn't be surprised if they were handling snakes. I wouldn't be surprised. Youth. So yeah. check out here the second video of another, okay. this is another ruckus snake handling service here. Also, once again, great music. Great music. And this, this guy here. Now he's a preacher. I'll tell you how much you're sanctified as much as this word that you move to. That's how much you're sanctified. So if you went to one of these services, would you handle a snake if someone handled it to you? I would handle all the men's snakes. (laughs) I would just hold my hand out and ask for the men's snakes. Don't you do that every Saturday night at the bars in uh, the north of England? <laughs> the pubs. God's taking over right now. Oh, this, this guy's double handling the snakes. <laughs> he's double fisting. Oh, oh my God, he's, this is like your brother <laughs> on a Saturday night. Yeah, my brother's had at least like 10 trouser snakes at once. Oh, look at that woman is doing this. The chops. The one doing the Dougie in the background? Yeah, some classic white guy dancing going on here. Ooh, I love his outfit, all black. I'm sure the snakes love the dancing. (laughs) I think the snakes do too. A live band as well. Yeah, anyway. Um, Yeah, so these, uh, definitely a lively event, these these snake handling services. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was at the uh, you know the the East Pineville Church of God or the uh, I'm sorry the Dolly Pond Church of God here <laughs> took off, <laughs> and um, in uh, 1945, uh, one of uh, during one of their services, another member of the church was bitten by a snake and died. Oh. Surprise, surprise! Again, was not filled with the spirit of the Lord. Well, that's what they said. The man's death was viewed as ordained by God to test the faith of the other congregants and to demonstrate to non-believers that the snakes that they handled were, in fact, dangerous. Mm-hmm. Well, no shit. They're fucking rattlesnakes. Yeah. You know? So that year, uh, he was arrested for snake handling in Chattanooga, Tennessee, given a $50 fine, which he never paid. And then uh, he was threatened with a workhouse sentence, but members of the church appealed to authorities and they dropped the charges. So he continued to travel around, you know, doing revivals and all that. But he kind of received a mixed reception because some people were aware of his past. So, I mean, the guy had a kind of a checkered background. 
So, um, but a lot of them were willing to forgive him and welcome him back in, you know, in his ministerial role, even though uh, he was estranged from his family you know, during this whole time. So, oh, right. So is this, he was not paying child support for his 13 children? Yeah, with Amanda, no, I don't think so. And he had so five. He had yeah. five children with a second wife, Irene. So what is that? Seventeen children. Eighteen <laughs> kids. kids. Eighteen, 18 kids. kids. Yeah. Wow. Um, his wife Irene, who is uh, the who is much younger, uh, she was from a prosperous Lutheran family, but uh, she believes she was suffering from a curse, and only and only uh, George could free her from the curse. Ooh. But ultimately, uh, they felt that he was unable to. Um, the marriage was contentious because of his frequent unemployment, poor treatment, uh, the fact that uh, he was always in and out of work, and the fact that he was a drinker. And I'm sure the snake thing, you know he brought the snakes into the bedroom. No yeah. woman's going to be down with that. Um, what's kind of funny is that uh, they went back and forth. Like He would separate from her and then come back to her, and then they'd separate, and then they'd reconcile. But uh, at one point, he uh, wanted to put all their children in an orphanage. So she could travel with him and, uh, and preach. And she was like, no, I'm not doing that. (laughs) She's like, I'm not doing that. And so then they end up getting a divorce. Yeah. Just like, it's like they have five kids. He's like, let's just put them in an orphanage. And so 1943 divorced Irene. Um, she actually died soon after, uh, from complications following surgery for a goiter. So maybe she was afflicted a goiter. What's a goiter? It's like a big, a huge, massive cyst. You never seen one of those? Is it? Is that what they're called? Yeah, a it's goiter. like a growth that grows in your yeah. skin. And oh. so I imagine in this day and age, they just cut it out. But I imagine back then, it's probably... Hey, maybe she was cursed. That's what I'm saying. It's like that goiter. Probably Satan's goiter. Um, Satan's so goiter. in 1946, he married for the third time. But his wife, Inez Hutchinson left him just less than a year <laughs> less than a year of marriage she's like i'm yeah, done with this her. i don't yeah. know what she was thinking and so after their separation he would continue to preach in chattanooga and he lived in chattanooga until the early 1950s uh, where he then moved to athens georgia to the mid 1950s and that's where he, he met uh, sally norman his final wife mm-hmm. and after their marriage she traveled with him as he ministered in tennessee and kentucky so now he finally died July 1955 uh, in Alpha, Florida. So at this point, he was a practicing minister, doing snake handling services regularly, traveling with his wife. Um, I don't know how old his wife was at this point, but uh, yeah, this was with his new wife, Sally. And uh, so he was conducting meetings without snakes for three weeks. So he didn't have any snakes. But he finally procured a five-foot rattlesnake. And most of these snakes were oh. like cottonmouths and copperheads, diamondback rattlesnakes. And he brought it to a Sunday afternoon service, July 24th, 1955. Several dozen people gathered in, in, at an abandoned blacksmith shop at this service. And there he loudly delivered a sermon on the topic of faith. He then removed the snake from a lard can in which it was stored, wrapped it around his neck, rubbed it all over his face, which is kind of what they do. He then walked around the audience holding the snake. And while preaching, he started returning it back to the can. And as he placed the snake into the can, it bit him on the wrist. And he continued continued preaching. But after a few minutes, he became visibly ill, experiencing severe pain, 
a discolored arm, the arm that was bitten, and uh, hematemesis, which is uh, vomiting up blood. So he was just like barfing up blood. You know, his arm was like probably purple and black. And uh, he was in severe pain, but he refused any medical attention. And although he remained in pain, he uh, and was urged to seek immediate treatment by the congregants that were there, he was like, that's fine. You, this suffering that I'm experiencing right now is because of your lack of faith. So <laughs> like, yeah, he flipped it. Flipped it back on them. Yeah. And uh, his wife, Sally, stated that it was the will of God. And uh, Hensley would not recover from it. Um, he was pronounced dead the following morning. And uh, the official cause of death was ruled a suicide. Oh. So, yeah. So, uh, right. George Hensley, the father of snake handling, died July 25th, 1955, from a snake bite. Who would have thunk that? Who the thunk it, man? Who the thunk it, man? <laughs> that was Georgie boy. I wonder if there are snakes at the funeral. Um, oh, do you think they all turned up in delightful little tuxes that didn't that had no arms and little bow ties, <laughs> wiping away their hats. tears? Oh, that would be adorable to see. Yeah, his relatives traveled from Tennessee to Florida for the funeral. Uh, country music band played. Probably was fun. Probably a lively affair. I think it would have been. Yeah. Uh, he was buried two days after his death at a cemetery right by the blacksmith shop where he was bitten. Uh, after the funeral, some of the congregants met and declared their intention to continue handling snakes. And his mm-hmm. wife, Sally, resolved to continue spreading her late, late husband's teaching and saying after the whole incident, she didn't lose an ounce of faith. If anything, she was filled with more faith. <laughs> that her husband died. It was a will of God. Yeah. So, you know, it's undeniable that George left a legacy. I mean, just the fact that... Uh, there's still snake handling churches today, you know, practicing yeah. today. Um, a lot of uh, people have tried to designate that he, you know, George Hensley, was the progenitor of Appalachian, you know, religious snake handling. But I mean, it was going on. It, it, it was going on like independently throughout several mm. different Pentecostal churches. I think what it, what happened is that he was so vocal in spreading snake handling he popularized it he popularized uh, it yeah yeah and uh you know he's very influential um so what's interesting about it is uh snake handling is still practiced to this day there's as many as 125 churches and up to 5,000 practitioners of snake handling in the south in america in, is a, there? in the south this very day uh, wow. but it's hard to verify you know the exact number of these churches because uh you know a lot of this is out snake handling is outlawed you know, maybe these animals are protected, right. thankfully. Except uh, in West Virginia, totally cool to go handle rattlesnakes. Um, but a lot of these these services are conducted in like residential homes or like makeshift abandoned okay. buildings. So it's really kind of hard to to keep track of it. But I mean, it's it's still going on. And in fact, I was watching uh, some snippets of this, but I'm probably gonna have to download it. Um, Maybe sign up for HBO Max. But there, a new true crime documentary came out called Alabama Snake, which came out in mm-hmm. uh, December. And it chronicles the uh, controversial 1991 case of Pentecostal minister Glenn Summerford, who was okay. accused of trying to murder his wife with a rattlesnake in Scottsboro, Alabama in 1991. I think we have a pic of Glenn. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, this guy like tried to murder his wife with a rattlesnake. <laughs> and so, yeah, not, not that guy, this guy. Doesn't he this look guy, like the that, type of guy? That, is that his wife that he tried to murder? Bit of a minger. 
do you know what there is not a, there has not been a looker if, in any of these pictures <laughs> what about uh, what about glenn summerford He's got that kind of intensity. He's got a Ben Gazzara thing going on. He does got a he's got a Ben Gazzara intensity. Um, but other than that, no, I think he definitely has will murder you with a rattlesnake energy coming from his eyes. Well, he is well known in the area for handling poisonous snakes as the pastor of the Church of Jesus with signs following. There's always got to be signs following here. Mm. And uh he said in interviews that religion had turned him around from a previous life of crime. Um, however, right. that new, I guess, uh, change of character here was shaken after his wife, Darlene, in the picture here, accused him of forcing her at gunpoint to stick her hand into a box of rattlesnakes. <gasps> like on Flash Garden. You know, where they've yeah, got that, the, that bog, goes, that tree. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, same like, deal. Oh, beautiful Timothy Dalton sticks his hand right in. Timothy Dalton can stick his hand in my bark hole any day. She claimed that uh, he wanted to kill her so he could date another preacher. So what? maybe. Well, why don't you just break up with her? Glenn. I don't know. The rattlesnakes. Have, yeah, uh, have, prob- why he have Jesus to do it. Yeah. Uh, the trial and media frenzy which surrounded this Southern Appalachia case often focused on Summerford's snake handling, which is a curiosity of the nation. He was convicted of attempted murder in 1992 and sentenced to 99 years behind bars. He's still in prison right now. Oh, wow. Um, another snake handler that was in the news recently is uh, Kentucky pastor Jamie Coots, who died after a snake bit him during a worship service in 2014. And he's in the uh, National Geographic uh, documentary called Snake Salvation. Mm-hmm. So I think I have a video here of, uh, okay. of Coots. Um, so... Coots, Jamie Coots was the pastor of a uh, the full gospel tabernacle in Jesus' name, church. And he was handling a rattlesnake during a service when he was bitten on his right hand. So this is one of, uh, yeah, this is one of Coots' services here. The fat guy holding the snake is not Coots, but you'll see. He's also kind of a fat guy too. So he was bitten on his right hand. And when the ambulance arrived, the EMS team found that he just left. He went home. So he was bitten by the rattlesnake left and went home. They went to his house and he verbally refused treatment at, uh, from, uh, from the EMT team. He said that and when they found him at home, he was unconscious. And uh, when they arrived, his wife signed a form declining any kind of medical treatment. That's Coots right there, dancing. Him, the yeah. dancing, that's him. Yep. So he's weird. why is he not, I, I would have thought if he's a pastor, he would have been dressed in like a shirt and a tie. But he's this is Appalachia, like he's dressed in like camo. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, you could still like, you know, show up to church. Well, so once his wife declined the, uh, the treatment for him, emergency per- personnel left. And when they returned, like an hour later, they found him dead from a venomous snake bite. Ooh. And so his son, that might be his, no, that's probably not his son. <laughs> that's his definitely dad. Nice I bet son. you the fat guy in the back's his son. Um, yeah. His son, Cody Coots, <laughs> said his father had handled that snake many times. Quote, that snake that bit him, We've been carrying him to the church for about four months. It's been carried hundreds of times, handled all kinds of times. But now when it's your time to go, it's just your time to go. He was, oh, look, he's playing with fire now. So now he's, um, <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's got a torch burning his hand. His hands, yeah. <laughs> it's your time to go. It's your time to go. Cody said that the it's snake time. bite that killed his father is just a test of fate to see if you will go to the doctor get medicine or if you let Jesus heal it. Yeah, let Jesus oh. heal it. 
Yeah, as I say, Jesus did not want him healed that day. They're all having a go at burning their hands now. And so his father died. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got the Bunsen burner it, here just torching their is, hands. This is, this is big brains time, isn't it? This is like, it's funny how now there's no women at these services and it's just suddenly all men. <laughs> and so you're wondering how something. people can believe in QAnon? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so, so even to this day, this practice is still very prevalent in the South. And even Cody Coots, whose father died from being bitten by a venomous snake, is a snake handling pastor. He still handles wow. snakes, plans to buy more. He said throughout uh, the area of Kentucky, you know, snake handling is just a misdemeanor, punishable by like a $50 fine. And so and he said most often the authorities don't get involved unless someone dies. He said for those who don't understand the practice... If God don't open it up to you, there's nothing I can tell you to open up your mind to get you to do it. So it's got to be God. You know, I think I'll pass, you know, um, personally. Yeah. I, I think I'll pass on it. I've been filled with many it. spirits in my life, but I do not need to be filled with the spirit of our Lord. <laughs> with a rattlesnake. But just to revisit my point I was trying to make before, snake handling churches are legitimately insane. They're batshit. Unlike QAnon, which is a Facebook cult filled with hapless soccer moms who pretend to care about sex trafficking by imaginary satanic government forces mm. while justifying or completely ignoring real kids, actual kids who are being locked in cages and separated from their families. I love how they're just like, there's cognitive dissonance on that one. But yeah. imaginary kids are being you know, sex trafficked by Satanists. You know, I, th I think in a few years, QAnon's probably going to be a hilarious and distant memory. I hope it stays around. But snake handlers will live on. Well, yeah. until they get bitten and refuse treatment <laughs> for their injuries. <laughs> 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 anyway, people, this is episode 775 here, Sick and Wrong. Uh, we have some news stories coming up next. We have some phone calls a bit later in the show. But first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners, if you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. Do they, oh. like, shove your face, like, underneath their balls, uh, like, yeah. in their taint? Yeah, do they, like, shove your face in, like, the fucking, in their well, shawls? <laughs> yeah, because the way it works at, like, you know, strip clubs I've worked at, like, female strip clubs, especially, like, the nasty, fully nude ones, yes. you know, they're on all fours. They, you're, if you're putting $20 down, they'll reach back, grab your head. Your head's right in their asshole pussy, just, like, being shoved back and forth. Like, does that the, work at, like, is that how it happens at, like, a dude? The Chippendales is a bit different, isn't it? Because you're not tipping the Chippendales. The Chippendales will, like, have their dance routines, and they'll pick victims out, won't they? And oh, and they'll pull you stage. up on stage. And then they're doing their fucking grind in their fucking... Uh, half cocked cocks well, I just half don't think cocks in your face. I don't think most women want some just random boner just, I'm, they probably want, don't mind a guy in like a g-string dancing around but I bet you they don't want like a full boner just slapping against their face well no it's painful isn't it uh, or, uh, talking uh, from experience is painful <laughs> for only five dollars a month you can enjoy these special moments a bonus news story extra phone calls and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. But don't you ever think of me. So the first story we have here is an emotionally moving story about some real garbage humans. <laughs> it's like, <Aww. laughs> these are some garbage people. Um, 
Garbage people from Michigan. A valuable human has lost his life, said a judge who sentenced a father to prison for his son's backyard pool drowning. It's happening in Grand Haven, Michigan. A former Grand Rapids Community College assistant professor has received his sentence recently for the backyard pool drowning death of his son. His name's Coates, 51 years old. Um, what's his first name? I, I was going to say, is he, just, oh. is he called Coates? <laughs> no, his name is uh, George Coates. George Coates. George Coates. Very American. God, yes. yeah, George Coates. Um, he was sentenced uh, Monday, January 18th, uh, to two to 15 years in prison on an involuntary manslaughter charge. So two's the minimum, 15's the max. Uh, these charges stem from a March 2019 incident where George Coates' 16-year-old son, Samuel Coates, drowned in a backyard pool at the family's home in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Now, according to the parents, Samuel, who has nonverbal autism, functions mentally at the level of a 13 to 17-month-old child. Whoa. But... He has a physical strength of a 16-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's got, you know, strength of a teenager, but he's got the uh, the mindset of an infant. Yeah. I'm <laughs> wanting to say it, and y'all wanting to say it. <laughs> what, rotundo strength? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the father here pled guilty in December to uh, single counts of involuntary manslaughter, fourth-degree child abuse, and obtaining a controlled substance by fraud. Um, oh. He'll probably serve, what, like two years and then be released for teaching grammar classes to the inmates? So, so it depends if he's a good boy in jail or not. Well, you know, I, I, I'm sure, like, for something like this, involuntary manslaughter, you're not going to get, like, 15 years. No. That's the max. No. Well, it dep- yeah, it depends if he is bad in jail, isn't it? That's the whole deal. Yeah, I don't think this guy's going to be, like, you know, punking out other inmates. <laughs> but who knows? It's like you a Breaking know. Bad situation. Walter White He's here. He's going to give them the Hebrew hammer. <laughs> so Coates' attorney called the situation a very unique and tragic case. Um, he said that his client will have to live with the consequences of his actions for the rest of his life. He said, this is not blaming anybody here in terms of anyone's actions, but Sam is a very high-needs child. He required 24-7 around-the-clock supervisor supervising and care. He was locked in that room in the house because of the way he destroyed everything else in all the other rooms. So he must have had like a, I don't know, like a, like a locked little prison room you know mm. there was just probably like a padded room no furniture or anything Nothing any furniture in there was like nailed down because yeah could you I mean, could you imagine having to deal with this we're both wanting to say it <laughs> well as a sibling if i live in the house as a sibling because there are two other kids i mean he had like you know samuel 16 years old he has a 13 year old and like a i don't know like a 18 year old daughter so he has yeah. two other kids if this was my brother and i lived in the house with this guy I would be padlocking my door. You would be moving out as soon as you could, wouldn't you? At 18, you'd be out the door. I do feel sorry for um, siblings. Of Well, I mean, your brother, well, the parents, I mean, the parents, you have no, you know, you have no other choice as your child. You have, you're, yes, you have you to have take to care of this kid. But mm-hmm. as a sibling, you're just like, fuck, I was brought into this family and now I got to deal with this. Your brother's a violent, irra- he's, 
you know, violent, irrational, unpredictable, rotundo with the mind of like a 17 month old child. Yeah. But the body of a teenager. Yeah. You know, tundo strength. It's like living with Hulk in a way, isn't it? I guess in in a sense, I mean, well, well, Hulk's probably a bit stronger than this 16 year old rotundo, but maybe same uh, kind of deal. I mean, Do you know what I always found really funny about Hulk? One of his main moves was, you know, that he could just, you know, jump. <laughs> oh, just yeah, he could just leave. He would be like, he, he could jump from like Los Angeles and like arrive in New York. He <laughs> <laughs> could jump that far, but he could probably jump yeah, from like Los jump. Angeles to San Diego. He could fucking jump. It's like, why is that one of his superpowers? You don't get it. Because <laughs> he's super strong. Yeah. Um, do you think when he wanked? Do you think like, because uh, what was the stuff? It, it was green. Yeah, was but green. I mean, do you, th- oh, you think his semen was green? Yeah. And probably was. You think it was do you radioactive? Think him and, do you think even he had sex with She-Hulk? Or do you think no one banged She-Hulk? Uh, She-Hulk was a lesbian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so she's not into the, the Hulk dick. <laughs> well, anyway, so this, this <laughs> Samuel here. You know, has the mind of an infant, body of a teenager. And I have a theory. I think he might have become violent because his selfish mother stopped breastfeeding him. At what age? Well, I mean, he's an infant. So he's still, you know, he's 13 months oh, old. Oh, inside his mind. Even, yeah, and in his he... mind is like, you know, I want some bitty. And meanwhile, some... his mother cuts <laughs> him off. And now he's 16, no bitty. And he just starts smashing shit. So anyway, as we get into the details of what actually happened, I want everybody out there listening to ask yourself, is this worth two years in prison? Okay. So on the afternoon, March 28th, 2019, uh, George Coates placed his son on the back deck of his home before he left for work to teach classes at the Grand Rapids Community College, where he was an assistant professor. So I'm sure he was uh, earning a substantial income. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like one step above gym teacher at high school, like assistant <laughs> professor at a community college. Yeah, His like mother, teacher. Samuel's mother, Michelle Coates, was asleep when the father left him. The son, so listen to what, how the dad left the son. So the son was left in the backyard with restraints wrapped around his body, keeping his arms restrained and tethered to the deck. So the dad put a straight jacket on this guy and like tethered him to the deck and tied him tied his wheelchair to the deck i don't think he was in a wheelchair oh is he just sat so he tied yeah. it's kind of like you know yeah tying down bond to interrogate <laughs> him <laughs> that's at what some, he's doing at some point samuel gravitated toward the pool which was covered and got inside so he imagined to i, I imagine he like somehow escaped the restraints like some rotundo houdini yeah. And then, like, got out of the straight jacket and went straight for the pool, which had to have been freezing. I mean, it's March, Michigan. I mean, mm-hmm. so there's snow. I'm sure it was freezing temperatures. So I don't even know why he would tie the, the boy to the deck outside. Was he hoping he'd freeze to death or something? Yeah, it seems a bit odd. You must know it's cold. And, and like, why would you not tie him up inside? Or why is why are you not waking up your mum to be like it's your turn now? Yeah, you look, look after, after him. him. I mean, yeah. the, well, the mom was probably drunk, passed out on pills. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so Coates's eighteen-year-old daughter came home and she saw her brother Samuel in the pool. It was cold. There was ice in the pool. 
She well, told police she went around the house yelling for her mother or anyone else, but no one answered. So she just left to go make a TikTok video. I'm lying about the, what, t- yeah, I'm lying about the TikTok video, but I'm assuming she probably did that. Did um, she go to the mall? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, could you imagine? Like she's, she's sitting there like, Mom, Sammy's in the pool again. You got to go deal with this. Yeah. You know? And then she like just was like, well, no one's answering. Fuck it. I'm going to take off. Go to the mall. Yeah, why didn't she help him? I don't know. I mean, you got your rotundo brother in a straitjacket in a freezing cold pool, and you just Well, leave? I would not be surprised if she did not like him. No, I don't think anyone in the house liked this kid. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a menace. Like, going mm-hmm. and having, like, uh, tantrums and, like, smashing everything in the room. Yeah, well, even beyond that, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because It's a burden. You're not gonna, it's a, yeah, it is a burden, yeah. and you're not going to have any attention from your parents from the day he is born now. So she probably resented him and did not like him. So after this, Coates asked his 13-year-old daughter if uh, she had returned from school yet, and they asked her to go check on the freak, which was the affectionate <laughs> family name they had for, <laughs> for the kid. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I wonder if everyone just called him freak. They probably did. Yeah. Yeah, probably. So the daughter sent a photo of her brother in the pool to her dad. So she looked up from watching TV on the couch for like, I don't know, a minute, snapped a photo with her iPhone and just sends that to the dad, texts it to the dad, which is insane. Yeah. You know, you, you got your mentally disabled brother in a straitjacket, in sub-zero degree temperature, in a pool, and you just don't even do anything about it? So the dad uh, was just like, instructed the daughter to pull him out. Like, text him back, text her back, being like, well, pull him out, you dumb bitch. He's going to freeze to death. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she tried, and then she informed her dad that uh, the brother was stuck. The father said to yell at him to come back and get out of the pool. She said she thinks he's stuck, and she sent another photo showing her brother in chest-deep water in the pool. Ooh, yeah. Moments later, he says, pull his testicles out. So I was wondering about this. because, <laughs> Like, I don't know if she... I was wondering, like, does he expect her to get into the pool, grab him by the balls, and pull him out? Or, I mean, or this might be... The only way to calm him down and control him is squeezing his testicles. So I wouldn't be surprised if this family had some type of like chastity belt iPhone app on this kid that they could control with their iPhone. So when Freak is having a violent episode, they like open up their iPhone, press the apps and it squeezes his nuts till he's in so much pain that he's got to sit down. Did the Hulk ever have, um, have his nuts kicked or anything like that? I don't know. You'd think he that would be the Hulk's weakness. Yeah, you'd think that would be the Hulk's weakness as well, would be a swift kick to the nuts. Yeah, I mean, he had to probably really strong nuts. Yeah, so I wonder if that, yeah. I think the two are coming. There's definitely a theory here, dear Simon. I'm, I think I might actually make this app. Don't you think this could be I mean, no, in the already, S&M community? Don't you think something like this would be... It's already been done. Can you not remember recently there was that news story about the guy who... Um, with the uh, chassis yeah, with the belt. Boy. Yeah, yeah. So this is the same thing, isn't it? Well, wasn't that the new one is specifically for the testicles? Well, I'm saying this is like something, uh, you know, the your dom who's like mm-hmm. maybe on Zoom or something because of COVID. She can just like press the button and squeeze your nuts. That's what we're doing right now. 
<laughs> yeah, metaphorically. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the father's like, squeeze his nuts and get him out of the pool. And so he, she was, so then so she random. couldn't do it. She could do it. And so uh, he's like, go wake up your mom. And then uh, get her to uh, help you get the kid out of the pool. To squeeze his nuts, yeah. And so uh, the mom ended up getting up and they got Sammy out of the pool, but he ended up collapsing and drowning in the freezing water. Yeah. So uh, the prosecution said that incidents like this, you know, where Samuel's left completely unattended or tied up or tethered, occurred very often, you know. And uh, he said, let me be clear, this child was in no way able to care for himself, but he was routinely left unattended. There are 15 occasions where Child Protective Services were summoned to the home, primarily because Sam was unattended and had escaped out of the residence. Wow. And they weren't doing, after 15 times, they still weren't doing anything. Well, it, what's, what's sad about this is if it's just like, you know, a single mother that's, mm-hmm. that has to deal with this kid and everything, I can understand that happening, but this is a whole family. You got an 18 year old daughter, you got a 13 year old daughter, you got a father, and you got a mother, and none of them can keep watch of the, you know, the rotundo. Yeah, 15 times. Come and on, he escaped. If they could, wait, get to the point where they would put him in like a respite care or something, couldn't they? Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, wouldn't you put him in like a care home? Yeah. Or a care facility? That's I mean, they probably had padlocks on the inside of the door, like um, inside the house to keep him in. Yeah. I imagine they will have done. But the kids probably just didn't give a shit, so they never locked it. And he would just get yeah. out. And the neighbors probably just hated him. Because, mm. I mean, he's violent, obviously. Um, but a kid like this should have been put in a, a proper care facility. Unless they could hire a 24-7 keeper. You know, if Which you had a keeper, On, on an assistant professor's salary. With three children. He has three children. He's a community college assistant professor. This, you know, if there's a takeaway from this whole story, it's wear a condom, people. It is. <laughs> Just it is. wear it's, a condom. Don't have children. There's the takeaway. If you're a shitty person, don't have a child. The father said that he and the family uh, learned to manage Samuel's autism as best they could. But, I mean, at some point, the family becomes completely desensitized. You yeah, know? of course. I mean, think yeah. about it. You know, 16 years, just dealing with this all the time. Um, and I'm sure their behavior, like calling him freak and tying him to the deck and all this seems a bit callous to the outsiders, but it's not easy dealing with this. No, I in a situation don't think it like would this. be easy for any of them. But though, I mean, there are like right and wrong things to do. And at no point would I ever think, oh, it's snowing outside. Let me tether my <laughs> disabled ch- son out here whilst I go to work. <laughs> that seems about right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's i mean it it is it's it's kind of hard to give you know side with these parents or try to justify anything that they did because they are garbage humans yeah and you know, I mean the whole family is just garbage people but at the same time it's like i kind of i do feel empathy for them that mm-hmm. you know i mean they have tried to deal with this i'm sure they're desensitized to like you know that that their behavior towards him. They probably call him freak just be out of just sheer frustration. Yeah. You know, with, with, with trying to deal with something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Co- Coates said, and during the trial, he said, the words I used were not good. Referring to calling his son a freak. 
Um, but it was a way of blowing off steam. And I'm not excusing myself for that, but I would never harm or abuse Sam. I would never have done that to any of my children. My home has always been filled, has always been a place filled with love and compassion. Uh, you called him a freak and tied him to the deck in a straitjacket. Yeah. <laughs> you just told your daughter to grab him by his nuts, nuts. and pull yeah, him out no of the pool. There. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how compassionate that is. Um, his wife was sentenced to 21 days in, ju- in jail uh, for a misdemeanor charge of obtaining a controlled substance by false representation. Uh, apparently, the couple continued to refill their son's Ritalin prescription eight months after he died. Oh my word! Garbage humans. That, see, that's what the mum was doing. She'd be—I bet the mum was like five days a week off her nut on Ritalin. She was probably crushing it up and snorting it, and then two days in bed. But you know, packs a good high. It's kind of like blowing away. Do enough speed, of it. Speed, isn't it? Yeah, do enough of it. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, I wonder if uh, what other pills they had for this kid, because he must have been all sorts of tranquilizers. Yeah, and all all and I'm sorts sure, of like, I'm sure antipsychotics the... as well. I would imagine. Yeah, but I bet you like the yeah. mom and dad were like popping pills left and right. It's like he got probably Zannies. You know, I'm sure there were Vicodins. Yeah, I mean, he was. they were probably like having a, a splendid time. Um, Coates here, the father had been a full-time GR Grand Rapids Community College faculty member since 2000, 2007, 2008 academic year. His termination was effective January 28th, 2020. Uh, the college actually notified him three days after he was arraigned and the death of his son, that uh, he was terminated. Um, The father said in closing here that we learned a lot of lessons. We made a lot of mistakes. It's families with special needs children who are frightened. They're desperate. They don't know where to turn. And I feel like we can provide an opportunity to help because of what my family has been through. So, so what, okay, so what's happening here? Are you going to be consultants now? You know, rotunda relations. Yeah, rotunda <laughs> relations. Is he going to come over and squeeze your rotunda child's testicles? Yeah, are they going to like offer control. seminars? Like seminars yeah. on like, we'll teach you how to tie a knot securely so they'll stay tethered to the deck post in their straitjacket. We'll help you come up with a catchy nickname for your rotunda child. The mum is going to teach you how to crush up and snort Ritalin 25 yeah. times a day. We'll show you how to keep their prescriptions going months after their death. Yeah, don't you worry, guys. We've got it. Rotunda relation. <laughs> Great family. Garbage humans. Mm-hmm, anyway, what do you have here for the second story? I have a very British story for the second story. And it's from the Metro. And it's granddad dragged from fish and chip shop and beaten to death by stranger demanding 20 quid. At a chippy. At a chippy? Oh, my God. A vicious folk who beat a man to death in the street over 20 pounds has been jailed for life. Christopher Walton, 24, was loitering outside the Seven Acres fish and chip shop in Bolton. Say it with me, Dee. What do you think Bolton is? In Bolton? Shit. Yeah, it's a oh, shit is hole. it a shithole? <laughs> he is probably where is right in the Bolton's Greater Manchester. It's just outside oh, okay. Manchester, in the kind of like you know the top tier of like one to five of shitholes. I would probably put Bolton at two or three. Oh, so wait, is one being the worst or one being like one not is a a, shithole? One's being like yeah, one is like I haven't decided what the biggest shithole in Britain is yet, but Bolton's definitely like second or third on the list. Wow, so it's pretty high up there in shithole towns. It's fucking awful. Like, yeah. oh my God, if you live in Bolton, I feel sorry for you. Leave. 
<laughs> he was dressed all in ball. He was dressed in all black on July 13th last year. We've all done that, been dressed all in black outside the chippy. Well, it's like every day. Well, not yeah. outside a chippy, but. Well, I've definitely been doing that. As Christopher Hardman, 45, and a friend tried to enter, the assailant stopped him, dragged him back out onto the street and said, you got my fucking 20 bar? He then launched a merciless attack on his target, punching him in the head and knocking him unconscious before rifling through his pockets. All right, a couple things need some clarification here. First of all, a chippy is like a Long John Silver's, right? It's like you go there, you get fried fish and, and chips. It's, they're usually not restaurants. They're usually like takeaways. And yeah, it's fish and chips. It's, it's fish and chips. And it's yeah. it, old school fish and chips. They'd like wrap it in newspaper. It's just greasy and there's malt vinegar. Yeah, very rare they do the newspaper thing anymore. But yeah, yeah the rabbi loved that. That was a thing in, yeah, in, uh, he's British. Yeah, in South Africa. Growing up mm. in South Africa, like in Cape Town and all that, we'd always go to the chippy. Like, um, yeah. and, and it was like old school chippy wrapped in newspaper. Just fucking, how bad is that for you, that food? It, it's bad, but it is very much a, like a It's a great hangover food. It is. Yeah. So what would your dad order? Can you remember? Just like two pieces of fish and like, and French fries just covered in vinegar. They're not French fries. And chips. Chips. They're chips. Chips. Yeah. Fish David. and chips. Okay. They're so, not the, so that's the first thing you, cl- you clarified. A chippy is a local chip shop. What's a 20 bar? 20 bar, um, bar is just slang for, for money. Oh, for quid? So he just wanted 20 quid? Yeah. 20 bar, yeah. We say killed, bar. So he beat a guy for $20. A granddad. A 45-year-old granddad. You're also glossing over that part. Third thing we need to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm older than this grandfather, by the way. Yes. You know, just had a birthday, uh, 46, and uh, Happy yeah. Happy birthday! Oh, thank yeah. you. Um. Yeah, I'm pretty de- on the DL about my birthdays. Try to make yeah. people forget that I age, but you can tell. Just, just look like at a me. Vampire. Just look at me. <laughs> but anyway, I'm 46 years old, and according to this, I'm older than the grandfather of this story. Yeah, Bolton, your granddad probably at the age of 16 down there. <laughs> shithole. That is a sign of a shithole. Walton from Bolton left his victim momentarily, but returned when he started to show signs of regaining consciousness, <laughs> kicking and stamping on his head repeatedly and leaving him to die. Walton, from Bolton, who admitted murder, was told by a judge that anyone who watched the CCTV footage would struggle to understand how one human being could descend to such brutal violence. Well, they always have such flowery language, the judges, don't they? I know, and then they admonish you. Um, yeah. The one thing... I don't get about this. It's like, he just wanted 20 quid. So I'm the guy to just be like, here, take 20 quid and bugger off, you know? I think it's an alpha an alpha male thing definitely coming through. We get more into it. So Manchester's uh, Mins Hill Street Crown Court heard how Mr. Hardman gave the defendant all of the money that he had on him, but that didn't stop him asking for more. CCTV oh, okay. shown to the court shows Walton from Bolton inflicting a merciless st- a series of stamps and blows and treating his body like a rag doll. Prosecutors said the level of violence used was in order to provide a spectacle to the victim's associates. That's oh, me. so he was being alpha. So, so this guy, the victim, was with someone else. What was the other guy doing? He was probably getting his chippy tea. Yeah, but, I mean, no, but was he getting his chippy while his friend was getting his ass beat? 
I tell you what, I'd be so pissed off if someone was like, oh, do you want to go to the chip shop tonight? Because once a year I'll go to the chippy. It's like, because it is very unhealthy for you. So, so you get psyched up for it because you're like, yeah, fish and chips. I really can't wait for this. And then if you got there and suddenly a fight's breaking out and you can't have your, your chippy tea, I would be so gutted. And yeah, then the police are here and like, oh, you've got to go for all that rigmarole. I'd be like, I just wanted fish and chips and mushy peas. Yeah, I'm just, I'm surprised that, uh, was it, okay, so was the assailant also with another, like another, were, were these guys chavs? Yes. Yes. Very chavvy. It's Bolton. Okay. Bolton is basically just chavs only. That's where chavs, that's where chavs come from. Yes. They probably, um, if it has existed there before time. Sort there has created. been a chav in Bolton. <laughs> Police were called to the scene and they found Mr. Hardman was unconscious and he was bleeding heavily. It turns out that Mr. Hardman wasn't such a hard man after all because he was taken to <laughs> Salford Royal Hospital and despite the best efforts on the medical staff, he died on July the 21st. Oh, that's even, that's, that's terrible. This guy just wanted to get some fish and chips. He wanted he gets attacked chippy. by some asshole yeah. chavs and beaten to death. He was just in the wrong place. The wrong time. Yep. Do, do you get it? The wrong... You won't get it because you don't have chip, chippies. The wrong place like the fish. The wrong place. All right. This is totally going over my Yankee head. Don't get this British <laughs> uh, humor. British is this like a Monty Python reference or something? It, 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 the wrong place. Like, yeah, whatever. A post-mortem <laughs> report found he suffered a serious brain injury, a jaw fracture, a fractured eye socket, and blunt force wounds to his cheekbone and nose. He was battered. Oh, man. Do you get it? Oh, he was battered. battered. Okay, okay. He was battered. All right, all right. Walton. Fucking English. From Bolton. <laughs> was arrested the day after the attack and he gave no fucking comment on an interview telling officers that that could have fucking been anyone when shown the CT CCTV <laughs> car um, footage. This guy's got big brains, you can tell. The court heard how Mr. Hardman had battled addiction in his life and in a victim personal statement, his dear old mum, Lynn, said that Chris had a warm and lovely heart. He loved heroin. He made friends with people easily. <laughs> and he was a respectful and polite adult. He just he didn't beat a man to death in front of a chippy. No, this is it. This is the guy who died. Oh, this is okay, his okay, talking okay. about her all heroin right. addict son. <laughs> oh, he right. didn't always make the best choices, but he was a much-loved junkie son, a junkie brother, a junkie father, a junkie grandfather, a junkie nephew, a junkie cousin, and a junkie friend. I mean, that is kind of crazy that at the age of 45, he was like a father and a grandfather and a junkie. <laughs> yeah, amen. Yeah. Sentencing him to life in prison with a minimum of 20 years to serve, Judge Anthony Cross said, the Crown are right to describe this as a merciless series of stamps and blows. What makes your conduct even more grave is to be found in the fact that you would leave the prone body of your victim and then return to it to inflict more harm. I am satisfied that you were somehow demonstrating to your so-called associates how vicious you could be. After you'd finished with him, you left him for dead. Oof. Yeah. Drunken thuggery going on but The here. story doesn't end there. Ooh. Did you hear what they named the newest fish and chip shop in town? No. What is it? The new card on the block. <laughs> it's DD, right, right. <laughs> Why did the wife of the fish and chips 
fetishist file for divorce. Why? She was sick of being a battered woman. All right, these are terrible. D, D, right, 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 D. This is the last one. A man (laughs) walks into the library and he asks, can I have some fish and chips, please? The librarian replies, sir, this is a library. Oh, I'm really sorry, says the man. Can I have some fish and chips? All right, this is terrible. We're done. We're done with this. (laughs) You know, this reminds me of... um, So years ago when I was in college, one of my roommates, who I think we've mentioned on the show here, is the guy that would piss... Like he was a drunk peer. Oh yes, you have like, mentioned. The yeah, when he would before. get drunk, he would just pee on things. Um, mm-hmm. But he was a pretty horrible drunk. Not like a horrible drunk that well, he would get aggressive too. But I remember one time we were at this bar called the Touchdown Cafe, which is a terrible bar in Ann Arbor, Michigan, like a terrible yeah. sports bar. But they had an amazing happy hour. We could get like a pitcher of beer for like four dollars. Nice. A pitcher. Yeah. So we, I don't know, we probably had like six, you know, so we were wasted. And uh, Eric went outside to smoke, and there were a couple like teens, like uh, teen, chavvy type teens, you know, like, uh, I don't know if they're gutter punks, maybe. Um, They're probably more like uh, of the We Grow variety, um, gangsters. And so they were hanging out, and uh, one of them, like, Asked him for a cigarette, and Eric just kind of like said, "Like, why don't you go fucking get a job and buy your own or something?" And the dude's like, said something back to him, like, "Well, fuck you." And then Eric like got all macho, went up to him, and was like, "You want to go?" And this kid, this like sixteen-year-old, Eric must, Eric must have been like, I don't know, probably 21, 21, 22, just punched Eric right in the face and just broke his eye socket. Oh, golly! <laughs> we, we were all, and so the whole time. We were thinking, like, should we go fight these juvenile delinquents? Or no. actually, Eric deserved this. You didn't have to mouth off to these fucking kids. You could have just been like, you could have been, when they asked you for a cigarette, been like, oh, no, sorry, I'm out. Yeah. But instead, you're drunk and you're an asshole, and now you have a broken eye socket. So he had to have, like, these wires that had to hold mm-hmm. his eye socket together in front of his eye. He had, like, three wires for, like, six months. Yeah, it's to, a long like, time, isn't to, it? To, like, cure his eye. Yeah, because it was, like, fractured so badly. It ended up being fun. Yeah, it ended up being fun. And the funniest thing about it is when that kid, it was like, you know, 15, 16 year old kid punched him and did that. Eric just dropped, you know, like a sack of potatoes holding his eye. And this kid felt so bad. He was just like, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? (laughs) Yeah, because I don't think he realized that was going to happen. Yeah, he didn't think how strong he would be, what his punch would be like. Wow. He didn't just uh, batter him like a rag doll, though. No. Didn't do that. Jesus. Fucking vicious, vicious chavs like in England. I um, liked the librarian joke the most. Those, those were it was a list British humor going on there. Yeah, I'm going to become a stand-up comedian. I kind of want fish and chips now, though. I anyway, really people, want fish and chips. send your story to podcast gmail.com. We have some phone calls coming up next. Three two three five two two four zero three two is that number. But first, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Hey guys, it's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my look Eric's disease got pretty bad, let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to 
adamandeve.com and coupon code diddle d-i-d-d-l-e I am now a new man thanks and now so we got some phone calls to get to the Sick and Wrong Hotline, 323-522-4032. Keep those losing virginity stories coming. We got quite a few. Good. We, yeah, we, that might be like our Valentine's Day show. We just play them all and talk about yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. Okay, we, got, we got one that was absolutely horrifying. But yeah, no keep diddling. them coming. No, no, there's no diddling. It was worse. Good. Anyway. Consensual. Give us a call. With your virginity story, your horror losing virginity story. Um, not horror losing. Yeah, it's got to be consensual. It's a horror story about losing your virginity. And you might win a fabulous prize from Adam and Eve because I have a whole box full of dildos and fleshlights. Um, no getting diddled, though, all right? Anyway, here's the calls for this week. I like this first one. It's about chopsticks. Hey, Dean Kate. It's Tom Coleman from UK. Uh, looking for the Christmas show this year and hearing from Wackerly and Steel as well. Uh, hopefully you can get some good calls this year. No, how's inside the picture? Hopefully we can get like Marshall and Tony Coleman. in. Uh, obviously want to hear some of his conquests there. It was quite good. <laughs> Rather hear that than FM's boring stories. What? Hearing him talking hey, like uh... Parky Pig from Looney Tunes and William Shatner playing uh, bloody Captain Kirk. But... Hey. <laughs> that was terrible. William Shatner... And Porky Pig? I don't think we it sounds need, like that at all. This show both needs Marshall Allen, Tony, and FM because FM is the antidote. I think it's a all. yin and a yang. Actually, we played it is FM. The yin and the yang. We played a very entertaining call from FM on the Patreon this week, actually. I never want FM to stop calling in. No, it's, it's, I actually, you know, I love everybody's calls. Yeah, me too. Like, Maybe not Boner Villain's calls. But, uh... No, I like Boner Villain. Boner Actually, Villain, where are Boner, you? No, Boner Villain did recently call in. I might play <gasps> it next week. It's a great Ooh. call. Um, but FM to, is definitely yeah. one of my favorites too. But also I like Marshall Island Tony. I think, I think I agree with Kate. It's like a yin and a yang kind of situation. You know? Yeah. I want more Wads mom as well. Wads, tell your mom to ring back in. Let's go old school. Bring back Trucker Paul. Oh, yeah, where are you at, Trucker Paul? Yeah, I got a bit of a story from when my parents first split up when I was still in school. Uh, obviously, when that happens, obviously, your dad's taking you out, you're trying to bond. It's awkward, you know what I mean? But um, on this one occasion, just before Christmas, uh, when we went out, he took us out to meet my stepmom for the first time. That was, that was it. Oh, wait. So his parents got a divorce. He's obviously <laughs> living with his mom. The dad's reaching out, being like, you know, it's my yeah, son. To... I gotta make Let's a connection go here. I've and, got your uh, front row tickets for a sporting event. Yeah, or something. And then he's like, yeah. and here's your new mom. You know, here's here's your <laughs> stepmom. You know, I always I always kinda wanted to like be able to choose which parent I'd live with. Who would you have lived with? Probably well. I mean, it's a, it's a weird question for me because my mom died I when I was young. So, but if yeah. uh, my mom had been healthy, probably my dad because my dad was never around. I could just do whatever the fuck I wanted. 
see, I also would have picked my dad as well because my dad, like, was yeah, drunk, you had a better liquor it. selection. He was drunk. <laughs> no, I've said this to you time and time before. You can't get to my dad's liquor collection because he drinks it. Oh. But my dad, like, just wouldn't have cared. I could do what I want. Just do what you easy. want. Would you have had I a curfew? To, like, probably not. I used to take, like, multiple money off him because if you asked him early on in the night for, like, 20 quid, he'd give you 20 quid. And then you waited till he was drunk and you'd be like, where's that 20 quid? that you said you were going to give me and then he'd give you another 20 quid yeah that's that's the beauty of having a drunk dad you know yeah Yeah, i don't think the rabbi but like my mom when i was growing up was like a little more aware like cognizant of what i was doing whereas i think the rabbi was just like mom's no mom's no yeah Yeah. unless i was like a neo-nazi or something i don't think my dad would have cared uh but yeah we went to some like shitty chinese buffet restaurant he was he's really fat and greedy, so he loved like going somewhere he could like fill his plates up and that. But um, yeah, when we went in there, we were just at the table and that just I'm 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 talking to each other and that. And my dad was like asking on, trying to make some jokes, like taking the piss really, like asking like awkward questions about my mum. Like it was like wasn't mm. good. Um, you know, now that is kind of awkward. It's like he's trying to there. claim information, isn't he? Yeah, but he's also disparaging his mom right in front of the new, like the new stepmom. That's a little did weird. Did you say the new stepmom was there? Yeah, yeah. He was introducing oh, him to he? his yeah, stepmom, yeah. and now he's trying to get like. And now he's like talking about shit about his mom. Yeah, that's, that's something called for. Do you like this guy's northern accent? Do you think he's more northern than I am? Yeah, I thought he was from Liverpool. He, that is not a Scouse accent. Don't, I don't know your right, guys' honestly, fucking honestly, accents. Jesus. That's insulting to where this man is from, because I reckon this man is Manchester area. And Manchester and Liverpool have a big rivalry, right? Liverpool, if I'm chucking all of Liverpool in the concentration camp gas chamber. Oh, that's harsh. It's a shithole? <laughs> Liverpool's have a massive shithole, mate. Wow. All right, mm. you're gonna get some hate mail there, Kate. Oh, what from the Liverpudlians and their disgusting the accents? Scousers, all right. The, the Scousers are gonna come Bring over. Bring on! Try a name. Try a name. <laughs> a good band from Liverpool. That's the game. There isn't any. God, I can't think of any good bands from Liverpool. Not even Lots one. Lots of good bands from Manchester, though. <laughs> when we went up and got our food and that. I, I was quite quick. Uh, at the time, I was really skinny, so I had like, like a tiny little plate. But him being like fat as fuck, he'd get like a proper massive plate. So I was at the table like a good minute or two before they got back. So uh, on our table, there was like cocktail sticks. And I thought, oh, this would be funny. So got one of them and just spiked it into the, like, the fabric on the cushion that you're sitting in. Thinking, oh, you'll see that. <laughs> Wait, did you put a toothpick? Yeah, a cocktail stick, yeah. Oh. All right, I think I, th- I think daddy's I thought he's gonna sit on it. <laughs> I think I thought he'd put a chopstick there because he's a Chinese restaurant. Oh, what? And a chopstick's gonna go at dad's ass. <laughs> that would that would be a better story, actually. Oh my god. Yeah, that'd be amazing. School, when Get I was sodomized in school, by a chopstick in high school, it's guy two years above me. He's a bit of a dick, right? And he used to fuck about in art class. I've only heard this story from his best friend. No one liked this yeah, guy. Heard it from a friend called James, and uh, he's a big guy, big fat guy, six foot, just built like a brick shit house. And he was dicking about one time, and the guy who was sat next to him. So imagine like the hard, the hard plastic seats of school. He 
as he was like standing up and sitting down, standing up and sitting down, just being a dick, he snuck a pencil in. Ooh. And James sat, sat right on down it? on this pencil. Was he That's sodomized by it or did it go inside like he, a lip? He lost his virginity to that pencil. Do you get lead poisoning? <laughs> an inside tattoo. <laughs> you got an inside asshole tattoo. Oh. He fucking deserved it. <laughs> did he beat the fuck out of that guy? Uh, not to my knowledge, but I did go to a grammar school where no one's going to um, beat anyone up, darlings. It's about oh, my bank account's better than Oh, yeah, I forgot about ass. your posh upbringing. Half posh. <laughs> Half posh. Listen to me. <laughs> laughing, never joking, that. But when he come back, uh, he didn't realize. And obviously, because he's, <clears throat> he's really heavy set, just sat straight down on it. <laughs> he sat on the, table, the chair for like maybe a second. He like, must have looked he sat on and it went straight into his ass. But as he got up, <laughs> must have like tensed it, pulled it out the seat with him. So we're in the middle of the restaurant, he's like ass screaming, like jumping around. Somebody's he's been spiked in his ass. Uh, everyone in the restaurant's looking, all oh, the fucking Chinese restaurant workers, like, oh, like looking at that. It's uh, like a Benny Hill episode. So saying there's Meg Ryan so he managed going, to pull out his leg. What he's as he pulls it out, it must have snapped off inside of him. So he only had half the stick and it was all like covered in blood. Oh, oh it was so fucking funny, but... Um, he ended up running the toilet, coming back about 10 minutes later. You could see he was well pissed off. When he pulled the, when he took it out, the, it was still on his leg. So basically, we had to go to A&E, go into minor man surgery. Oh, man. We had to go to A&E? Is that like the emergency room? Maybe it was a chopstick. Maybe I misheard it. <laughs> no, I think he said a cocktail stick. Yeah, but they're tiny. It's a toothpick, like- right? could take a toothpick in the asshole. Oh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds like it, but he's a big man. And he's got a lot of girth. Sounds like it yeah, went right, know, right in like, his ass. It's so skinny. It's so sk- It may be pointy, but it's yeah, so but it, it broke off, and it's like, and it's like having a splinter like deep inside your fat ass. Okay, that's a good point. Do you think- call it? Uh, get a doctor to remove it, <laughs> which was actually really funny because obviously <laughs> it's a give us a shit night so far. Oh, get him back. But turns out he ended up getting like a big infection in his leg from it, so he's doing <laughs> antibiotics. Uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! So he got like that fucking septicemia in his leg. Yeah, Tom's ex-wife. Hilarious. Um, his ex-wife Tom's mom is like, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, he, he got a fucking new Xbox when he got home. Yeah, every time she gets drunk, she's like, tell me that story again. Tell me the story again. Probably every Christmas. Like, tell the story about the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, tell me it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I never did anything like that to the rabbi. I guess I slipped a piece of bacon in a sandwich one time. Did you really? Got really mad. I bet he did. No, I would never do that. Lying. I would never do that. It's trafe. Food of the white devil. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you there, <laughs> Tom. Yes, very entertaining. That is Some how you do English it, humor at its mm-hmm. finest. All right, next call we have here is Anne from Nevada calls in with a story cool. about a very beloved character from Sick and Wrong. Ooh. Hello, everybody. Uh, Anne from Northern Nevada. So I met um, Bob Madigan at a holiday party. I think it was between Christmas and New Year's. So um, my brother Nuh-uh. used to open. Baba's pretty uh, 
within the music scene of the Bay Area and Detroit, because he's from Detroit, he was in a band called Slaughterhouse Five in Detroit. But in uh, the Bay Area, there's a number of bands. I think his probably the longest band he was in was called Fluff Girl. Um, but he was in the scene. Like it was kind of hard to go to shows and not know who Bob Madigan was. This is like everywhere though. If you're in a band, it's incestuous. It, it, yeah, you, you know everyone. And it, the scene is small enough too. Even San Francisco is a pretty small city. You know everyone worldwide as well. It's oh yeah, in every town mm-hmm. you go to, Bob Madigan was mm-hmm. pretty like notorious and all those, all those on the circuit. For his band in San Francisco. Um, so my brother was having a party, and I got there, you know, fashionably late. Cool. Went in the kitchen to put the drinks up and stuff, and Bob comes in and he says, "Show me your tits." <laughs> I've never met the guy before. I hadn't had anything to drink yet. Classic Bob. I was like, I just sort of pointed at them, like my shirt's tight and low, like you can see. He says, "No, naked. Show me your tits." <laughs> <laughs> He's like, a classy man, that Bob. Oh, yeah. In my 20s, like, I was just like, oh, okay. Uh, I looked around. My brother was in there in the <gasps> kitchen, and his wife was sitting on the couch. So I just showed him my tits. There was probably- I'm a little stunned. I fucking love Anne. <laughs> yes, Anne. You should have your fucking tits. I bet she if some smelly derelict came up to you at a party, you're holding the fucking half Drake Miller High Life and a cigarette in the other hand, it was just like, show me your tits. Would you do it? I'd be like, have you got a joint on you? <laughs> you got six P. Have you got or what? You think six P is my rate to show my tits? Six pence. <laughs> Do I wouldn't you be surprised. Think of me? <laughs> okay, two quid. You got two quid. <laughs> a Sorry. two quid coin, mate. <laughs> no, I said I, I, I want a joint. I'd be like, give me a joint. All right, I guess that would work. Anna's cool, though. This is like her brother's house. And she's <laughs> just in the kitchen, and Bob's wife, Annie, who is a pretty fearsome woman. I don't know if people, yeah. longtime listeners of the show, would remember when I had Bob on the show. We made fun of Annie's fake leg because she lost a leg in an accident. And yeah. I don't know. I made a joke about her wooden leg, and she was pissed. We had to apologize. She was angry. Oh yeah, yes. we called him up. Me and Wackley called him up, and I had apologized for. Uh, you need put in your place sometimes, D. Simon. So I'm glad she did that. Uh, she did. Yeah, she was mm-hmm. really upset, but she's kind of a badass. She's an old punk rock chick. I'm not that nice. old, but she's a punk rock chick. And uh, yeah, she's not much older than me. Um, but she's a punk rock chick. She's hardcore. And I could, <laughs> I would be surprised if this 20 year old chick was in the kitchen showing Bob her tits. Yeah, Anne is totally one of my heroes now. <laughs> one of my heroes. Like, people in there. I'd never done anything like that before. I don't cool. know what power he had over me. But that was the first time <laughs> like I met a cult leader. Again. He probably just said something like, nice. Thank you. Crafted a drink and walked out of the kitchen. Like, <laughs> This is very. <laughs> anyway, happy holidays. Wow, that's like awesome. classic Bob. Renan. Bye. That is yeah. classic Bob. You know, I can't remember the when I first met Bob. I mean, I have lots of, I have lots of stories of Bob, but I do remember when Big Jer first met Bob. Uh, Ooh, we were at hell. yeah, we were at a bar called the. It was called Chemos, kind of in the Tender Knob area. I don't know mm-hmm. if Chemos is still around. 
it kind of became like in chemotherapy. No, K I M O S, chemos. And it was a weird bar too because there's like a downstairs bar and then there's an upstairs where they had shows. But the neighbors mm-hmm. would always bitch because you had all these rent control neighbors were in control that were all pissed off and they complained, so the shows would always get Ruining shut down. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but there were a lot of different like random shows. Fluff Girl played there a lot. Uh, Frank Moore, that paraplegic spastic yeah, he used yeah. to play. Uh, Extreme Elvis would play, and so awesome. Bob Madigan would often open up for like Extreme Elvis, and uh, he played with Frank Moore all the time too. Anyway, I I knew that Extreme Elvis was playing. It was kind of like a fat Elvis. Cir- like circa 77 slash gg allen type like he would shit <laughs> yeah. on stage and eat tampons he was gross uh, but singing elvis songs and there's frank moore's like this naked spastic that would like be like Aah! and then there's bob but this anyway, is where the covid started oh yeah i've yeah, worse than fucking sure. a bat but anyway i remember like taking uh big jair and Vinny, his friend Vinny, to go see this. I was like, oh, yeah, you gotta go check out Extreme Elvis. He's great. You know, this guy's great. It's such an entertaining show. You know, he shits in his hand and throws on the audience. This is awesome. I mean, he wears, you know, an Elvis jumpsuit. And so we go over to go check out the show. And uh, I was outside smoking, and Jer was like standing in line to use the bathroom. And he's waiting in line in the bathroom. And finally, he's like, he, you know, grabs a handle and it's open. So he just opens it up. And there's Bob Madigan. Like with one foot in the toilet, and he's painting himself green using the toilet water. He's completely nude, completely naked. Uh-huh. And he's got his dick out, and he's just painting everything on his body green. And uh, Jared's just kind of standing there, just like uh, not even knowing what to say, like a bit speechless. And Bob's just like, well, If you're going to stand there and look at me, you might as well paint my ass. And he just can't share the paintbrush. And <clears throat> Jared just kind of is like, all right, and he just kind of painted his back and his ass. <laughs> well, you know, it's a bonding moment, isn't it? Yeah, it was kind of funny. I think my favorite thing about Bob, though, I mean, he had been on the show countless times, never could remember Lance Wackerly's name. <laughs> doesn't doesn't right, matter how many times. You can't remember a name. Yeah, because how many Wackerlies do you meet in a year? Like, he, I've never met any just, of the person called <laughs> He just oh, wait, never no, remembers his name. There is there is a Nazi official who worked in it and one of Named the Wackerly? camps called Wackerly. Yeah, he was high up there. He was a commandant. But that's the only other time I've read the name Wackerly. But when I read it, I was like, huh, Wackerly from Singapore. Where do I know that from? Yeah, no, yeah. He, Bob Madigan never remembers his name. So it's like there's that's a few, hilarious. we have a few promos that I've recorded. It's just like, yeah, you're listening to Sticking Wrong with Dean Lance. He's like, Dean who? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> Wackerly, you just, you were just here for two and a half hours. All right. <laughs> just could He's never remember his name. Guy. Pissed so off Wackerly. Like, yeah. Now he was guy. he was a good egg. Rest in power mm-hmm. there, Bob Madigan. Hilarious yeah. story, Anne. Thanks for that. All right, yeah, final uh, final call we have here. It's a trifecta. It's all good calls. Oh. Um, it's from an Australian man. Yeah. Good day. Um, my name's uh, Day. I'll we'll say D. I'm calling from uh, Western Australia. Um, Hello, mate. Yeah, I've been listening since about uh, 2008. I did have a break there in the middle for a few years, got back into it a couple of years later and have not missed an episode. Um, I think uh, Kate's doing a wonderful job. Um, she's got a great attitude, uh, great sounds good on the podcasts, 
And uh, D, you're uh, yeah, you're always been amazing. Um, I just wanted to uh, share something. I was uh, prompted by a caller from last week's episode who called in about, I can't even remember what it was talking about, but it was talking about cum. I, I can't actually remember. I'm sure, you, D, you won't be able to remember because your fucking memory's shocking. You won't be able to remember a, a goddamn thing, but yeah. Kate can probably recall what it was about. But anyway... I smoke way too much weed to remember that. He's he's asking me to remember a specific incident about cum. He has not met me as a person. <laughs> It, there's so much cum in case life. It's hard to Mate, just pinpoint it so down to one cum. instance. Yeah, yeah. I would, I'd also like him to critique my Australian accent because I think I'm Western Australian, but he sounds better than I do. You actually both sound. I sound like it well, sounds like I'm in. Really. Like, it sounds like I'm an extra in Crocodile Dundee. Obviously, yeah, like me saying he sounds better than I do. He's real Australian. You know what he's talking about. Fake. You know what he's talking about. Which cum incident? Remember the guy that said uh, he was a nurse and there's cum on the door handle? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's not, a, that's not, I'd be over it and you would disgust. Well, I, was, I was disgusted, but see, yeah, I remember yeah, that, you? you fucker. Yeah. Go drink well, your fosters. Well, I'm the fucking one who didn't show you where you should shove your fosters. <laughs> BB Castleman. I'll tell you a story. Um, my girlfriend is a stripper and um, Dee, I know you've worked in strip clubs, so. You, this might be something that you're aware of or not. But um, something that she likes, I'm tying it together, is for me to fuck her before she goes to work and to come on her belly uh, and she kind of just rubs it in and doesn't wash it off and just leaves the cum on her and then goes to work and give guys... We've all done it, mate. That's so passive-aggressive. It's amazing. I like it though when sometimes if you take a facial shot of your boyfriend and then you forget about it, maybe it dries in your hair, and then people will like be like, "Oh, what's in your hair?" This happened to me before. And you're like, oh, "It's just cum." Did that happen? There's something about Mary. Was your hair like yeah, that? Yeah, but it stick doesn't kind of like no. In, obviously, D, come on. <laughs> you have knowledge of cum. You know it doesn't do that. It's got it a little bit of blinding. Like just a little bit of blinding. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty in the tank, sir. Why is your eye so red? She's uh, got my cum on her and rubs him. <laughs> my cum on these unsuspecting dudes with bonus, um, you know, makes them cum in their pants uh, while they're getting my cum rubbed on them, which um, I think is a pretty fucking alpha move, to be honest. <laughs> um, it is, it's almost like Australian. he's spraying his territory in a way. Yeah, you know, like a, like an animal would be like, I'm going to piss all over this fire hydrant. That's my fire hydrant. All right. My hu- <laughs> Yeah, I like it. I do like it. I think this is quite sexy as well. There's like something <laughs> kind of romantic about it. Something a little gay, though. Like, I, I don't know if you, if you think about it. He's rubbing well, his, cum. his cum. By transference, his cum is being is transferred to another man. man. Yeah. No, I'm going for the romance angle where she's like, cover me in your cum, baby. Oh, no, that's sexy. I see tonight that. Are gonna, the other men's tonight are just not even going to be able to match the cum that you have just covered me in. All right, but that's what, a, what about, okay, what about when she... Stands up, she grabs his head, shoves her, shoves his head on her naked belly, and just rubs his head up and down in the cum. Yeah, it's like it's it's a little gay. It's like uh, it's just gay. It's like not <laughs> it's quite a wee not, bit gay. It's like not point. We say lal in Cumbria. It's a lal bit gay. It's a not point not five percent gay. But who's it gay on though? Is it gay on the gay recipient on the, the un- or the? Yeah. 
the recipient. Okay, or the sender, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right. But he's probably, he doesn't know. He's probably, he's probably just like, God, this, she kind of yeah, smells like Yeah, like, but he's probably like, ooh, her sweat is extra salty today. <laughs> she smells like a seafood paella, but okay. <laughs> uh, it makes me laugh that these um, poor saps are paying her hundreds of dollars to um, rub my cum on them. Anyway, um... Great job, guys. Just thought I'd share that yes, for all the um, sickos out there who uh, love going to strippers and getting strippers' boyfriends come rubbed on them. So um, enjoy, <laughs> I guys. It happens a lot. I bet you it does, actually. Bet you it fucking does. I love these Australian oh, yeah. uh, listeners. Well, the other funny thing too is a lot of stripper boyfriends are a very interesting breed because a lot of we used to call them suitcase pimps because yeah. Do you know um, that's in um, have you? Uh, I doubt you that term. Have, but yeah, well, Jenna Jameson. You know, she wrote a big fat book called How to Make Love Like a Porn Star. It's very good. I don't think very I've ever read good. it. Very good. But she was obviously stripping when you were just a small child. <laughs> yeah. But she she talks about her boyfriends at that time when she was. She used the, the term suitcase pimp. Yeah, and that's who they are. They stand there and hold. Um, if you've got a girlfriend who's a yeah. fucking model or whatever, you're you're stood there holding holding the bag. Well, and you're carrying her bag and everything, but yeah. you're also like, these guys don't have jobs because they live off their <laughs> yeah. woman, yeah, and they're like mm-hmm. managers. Um, but yeah, it's a very interesting thing. But a lot of these guys too, there are some of the they're like the suitcase pimps that were kind of simps in a way, but then they're yeah. also like the actual suitcase pimps. Simps. Yeah, they're actually the actual pimps that were just like assholes that just dominated their women and so i'm sure a lot of those guys were like i'm gonna cover you in my cum so these other guys are gonna have to fucking deal yeah with then it. that's not sexy that's like gaslighting cum which no one wants you want the sexy cum you don't want the gaslighting cum. the sexy cum mm. i actually submitted a song back in the day um, i don't know 10 years ago or so you played the song which to song? one of my bands um on your uh on the podcast so um yeah Huh. Right, Send it back in. Say. I want to hear it. Yeah, I wonder what I uh, wonder what song it was. God, as if I'd remember that. <laughs> I fucking might. So I love all the Australian guys. I think they're all fucking great. Uh, Castle Main Forex and VB best beers. <laughs> what? Anyone who disagrees with me? What do they call a slag in Oz, in Oz? You fucking slag. <laughs> do they say slag? Is that a, a term they use? Wake and Fright, one of the best films ever made. That's like in my top five favorite films. That's Australian. You just like it, the the murder, the kangaroo scene, the massacre, Both the kangaroo kangaroos. massacre. That's what you like. My favorite scene in that film is when they go to the pub and it's just all that testosterone, all that sausage and testosterone in that bar. You can all that smell cum. it on the film. All that cum. I've probably drank the cum of all the, those mounds at least once. <laughs> Would be surprised to hear that. You know, it was always kind of funny to me at the strip club, a little strip club memory here. I always found it funny that there are a few girls that would totally get off on just ripping farts on the guys when they're giving really? dances. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, me- because they hated it so much. Well, no, they, they just it. thought it was funny. There's this one girl, yeah. um, I can't remember her, Sophie. Um, there's a girl named Sophie. She was French. She would do it. And she just was like, yeah, and she'd be like, I like to toot toot. A toot toot on them, and she would. And she was that super a, hot. That's 
That's the French attitude, though. But she was su- super hot, attitude. and there'd just be this, yeah. like, you know, businessman, fat businessman, all sweaty in the VIP room, paying like 300 bucks. And she would just, like, she's like, I like it when it's silent. And she would just you rip a really nasty, silent fucking fart. But there's this other girl that was like, well, she's all you got charge out. him extra. I'd charge him extra for that kind of delicacy, wouldn't Well, you? maybe someone would get it. But she's, she, this other girl, um, Helena, I think was, was her name. She's very gothed out. She said she used to like just making a really like, even if it was a loud kind of smelly fart, she's like, because she liked the awkwardness of the moment because she was like on their lap and just grinding on their cock and just ripping out like a, you know, a zipper fart. And yeah. then just, they could both smell it. And she's like, it was intimate for me. And, I was like, and then after being like, are you going to tip me? <laughs> Where's my tip? <laughs> Better watch out. If you don't tip me, you know it's going to happen. Next um, time. Yeah. God, that's 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 pretty, pretty gross. <laughs> but also kind of gay, but also yeah, kind of alpha. Uh, very alpha. Some, yeah, very alpha. Bring in some more stories about uh, what your girlfriend gets up to here in her western Australian strip clubs. Better yet, I'm send interested. pictures. That's what that's what uh, Kate really wants. Just to just to me. <laughs> just to me. You best share. <laughs> uh, people call us to go on hotline three two three five two two four zero three two. Speaking of simp's, check out this email from Dave. He says, "Hey guys, just heard you uh, being told what a simp is, and I feel I need to explain it better. Simp equals suckers idolizing mediocre pussy." Did you know this? What? No, I didn't. It's an acronym. This is my thing. Pussy can never be mediocre. Because women are above men. All women are better than men. So how can pussy be mediocre? I don't think you've had as much pussy as uh, a lot of people I know. I've had some (laughs) mediocre pussy in my time. (laughs) I'm sure you've had mediocre dick. you think is mediocre pussy. Yeah, but I'm saying that women are already above men. We're already better. So all even the mediocre pussy is still better than what a man has to offer. Well, but you're not comparing men to women. What you're comparing is pussy to another pussy. Yeah, but women, I suppose women kind of can simp for cock, but it's not the same thing. Men have to be psychological to make a woman simp for cock. Oh, I think women can. Uh, for pussy. But, it, but it's different. different. You're saying there's like. Mediocre pussy, and there's really good pussy, and there's like shitty pussy. There's shitty cocks, there's mediocre cocks, there's great cocks. I suppose. You know? Yeah, I'm going to go with this. this I would not know because I have a diamond level pussy. So when men simp for me, they're simping for diamonds. Do you have a lot of simps in the north? (laughs) None. Um, They're scared by my personality. <laughs> so suckers idolizing, idolizing mediocre pussy. Mediocre pussy. So if someone is a simp, it's totally on them. Simps are the guys who live in YouTube, live on YouTube, mm-hmm. and Insta comment sections telling girls they don't need makeup to look beautiful, going on about oh. how these girls are beautiful on the inside and have an amazing spirit, etc. right after buying pictures of their butthole. <laughs> So this is the type of guy who's from like the, you know, the memes who wears the trilby hat and he's a nice guy. It's that guy, isn't it? Like a white knight kind of thing. It's a white knight. Yeah. It's like a white knight evolved. Yeah, I think boner villain is this type of guy. Is that what you think boner villain is? Yeah, I, th- I could see him doing that if he ever had a chance to get laid, which it probably has never happened. I was going to say, to me, boner villain is a white knight. 
because he's never had sex. Well, I guess his mom doesn't count. That we know about. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Uh, simps put a woman on a pedestal and worship them to cringeworthy levels, even though in most cases, the woman doesn't even know the dude exists. It's totally different from a cuck. A cuck is someone who allows himself to be treated like shit by a woman while still maintaining an infatuation with her. Any woman can be simped on as it doesn't require them to interact or even acknowledge the dude. It's on the dude, whereas a woman has to take charge and act for a man to become a cuck. This is a great email. Yeah, yeah. It's, mm. it's, he's definitely like illuminated the difference here. You know, I never, uh, I never really thought about it. I just kind of heard the term on the internet, but it, it makes sense. There's definitely I've a difference between a simp and a cuck. Yeah, I've never been simped on. I also didn't know that a simp was an acronym. Suckers idolizing me. I didn't. Pussy. I like it. But it, I mean, that could only just be a modern thing, where people are like, "Oh yeah, let's make it mean something." But you you do see these type of guys though. These are the type of guys that like. Oh yeah, in I the totally comment section, just like yeah, worshiping I, these yeah, women. Yeah, I do see it. But I always just say, "Fuck off to them." I'm like, "Fuck you." <laughs> Hope it explains it better. Toodles, Dave. Well, thank you, Dave. Um, thank you, Dave. Very informative. I fully Very understand good. now. It all makes sense now. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Your eyes have been opened. My eyes have been opened. Uh, we do have a Reddit page, people. An official sick and wrong Reddit page. And yeah, it's fucking sick. It's, there's some seriously gross shit that's posted there. Um, a lot of it by me, personally, <laughs> from my own personal collection. <laughs> oh, tooting um, your own horn, are you? Well, there, you know, I don't have this. You know, honestly, a lot of this shit's been sent to me, so I'm just, I'm just funneling it, <laughs> you know? I'm just, I'm just shuffling it on, you know? Uh, but there's like over 300 perverts on there. I was actually surprised recently because I posted a picture that was sent to me, not from my personal collection. Um, it was sent to me of a girl <laughs> yeah, with really yeah. hairy titties. Yeah, super hairy titties. She actually had like a hairy chest. At first I was like, I'm not sure if she's a real woman, but I think she is a yeah, woman. Yeah, I wanted to know she's how you a hairy got woman. nude of me. Who sent you this nude of me? Yeah, I don't know where. I, I think just someone just found it on like uh, your old Asian babe site. I think it was like an yes, Easter yeah. egg or something. Anyway, uh, I was surprised about how many perverts in the comments said they would still smash the girl with the hairy titties. <laughs> And they were serious about it. It's like, I'd still smash. Like, why not? Yeah. Had you know? worse wanks, haven't we all? Come on. <laughs> you think they're simping for the hairy titty girl? <laughs> Maybe. Go to Reddit. Simp for the hairy titties. R slash sick and wrong podcast, no spaces. Um, also, got to thank everybody out there for signing up on Patreon. Uh, a lot of people have been signing up there lately. We're getting a lot of interaction these days. We're doing a shitload more stuff on Patreon now than we ever did before. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cool because you can actually do a lot more on that platform. And uh, and it's exciting. I mean, it's kind of fun. Not only are yeah, we doing fun. like an extra story, we're doing extra phone calls. We're also doing a new segment called Sick and Wrong News, news. Uh, where we kind of cover news of the week. Uh, this week we went into a lot of detail about a uh, scandalous story uh, involving Christina Ricci and a restraining order she has against her husband who would drunkenly chase her around their house making pig noises. Pig noises. Yeah. Pig noises. Which strangely is one of Kate's fetishes. She goes into a lot of detail on it. Stop lying, Dee. She goes into a lot of detail. I'm not lying. At the, I'm not. I swear. Um, 
Also, check out the bonus episode this week. It's uh, Sick and Wrong Overkill. We, uh, uh, we cover the Hartford Circus Fire. See, uh, Guys, I soundscaped this. Yeah. I was it's, it's a soundscape experience. Seriously, get really if stoned. Like, yeah, if you like the sound of um, screaming and fires... You're really going to enjoy this. Get really stoned, <laughs> get completely nude, cover yourself in olive oil, mm, and get ooh. some like noise canceling headphones and just listen to this. See, it's an it. experience. Yeah. yeah, DM me, send your pictures. It's like being in a hyperbaric chamber. Just put it on, just feel <laughs> it, experience it. Anyway, uh, go to patreon.com slash sick and wrong and uh, yeah, find out what's going on over there. Also, uh, the T Public store, this is crazy. So they just had a big sale. And then uh, they have another one coming up, I think, in like two weeks. But then the guy, my contact over there, which, which you know, we were on, uh, what was that, Cafe Press, and then we were on Redbubble. Yeah. No one gave a shit about Sick and Wrong. This guy, Gerald, hit me up all the time with uh, different promos and him, stuff. Yeah, can we call him Jerry? That's a much more surfer name. We He's just, like a surf's up type dude. Let's just call him Gah. Gare. <laughs> Gare. Um, I don't know. Well, we can call him Jerry, whatever. I don't give a shit. Anyway, uh, he calls in or he sent me a, uh, an email and he was like, you know what? I'm going to give you a Patreon only discount Ooh. just for patrons. He's like, it's going to be valid till the end of February. So it's a Patreon only discount. So I'm going to post it to the, uh, the Patreon page, but it's there isn't totally right now. And it's for everything it, in the yeah. sick and wrong shop. So, uh, but anyone can go to the Sigaron Podcast uh, store, just sigaronpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Uh, finally here, Sigaron Song of the Week, chosen by Kate. A very thematic song. Fits in with our, our theme of the show. Snakes of Christ from Glenn Danzig's second record, Lucifuge. Whoa. I like saying that. Released in 1990. Kate has a major crush on Glenn Danzig. Who doesn't? Do you not have a crush on Glenn Danzig? Yes, I do. Well, what every, era? Because he's got a five era. head these days. A five head. A, <laughs> <laughs> My favorite era is um, to say it like Danzig would is Sawin. It's his era in Sawin. Samhain. All right. That's how we use it. Then. If you had to I would choose. Say from 1983 until 1995. Danzig is probably one of the most fuckable people on this planet. All right, if you had to choose Tom Hardy, Ooh. Glenn Danzig. Glenn Danzig. Over Tom Hardy. Over Tom Hardy. Although Whoa. Tom Hardy is a better lover. I know that. Than but Danzig? More... Yeah, I don't think Danzig is a good lover. I think he's a very selfish lover. He only has sex with porn stars. That says something. I guess. Whereas Tom Hardy has very intense relationships with people. But, but do you think more Danzig, Danzig? But do you think Danzig would um, baste you in his cum, and then you'd go mm. over to Tom Hardy, and your cum would be <gasps> on Tom Hardy, and then Danzig would just be like sitting there, like you know, writing another song, like Mother. I'm really wet right now. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this conversation going? <laughs> Let you know, me, I'm gonna come when you play this Danzig song. <laughs> If uh, you guys ever go to Los Feliz, drive down Hillhurst, and uh, it's it's uh, actually no, no, it's Franklin between Vermont and Hillhurst, and you'll drive down that street, and you'll see like all these like I don't know, multi-million dollar homes. I mean, Los Feliz is one of the most expensive neighborhoods in LA, and it's like fancy home, fancy home, fancy home. 
Adam's family home. And that was like Glenn Danzig's old home. Is his pile of bricks still outside? The last time I checked was like, last time I drove by, mm. down Franklin, I think it was like a couple months ago, they were still there. I don't know True if he, crimes. I know he was trying to sell that house. He has been for years, but he took it off the market because people were gawking at it. But it, like a true crime fact is it's literally around the corner from the La Bianca. Oh, yeah. It's right around the corner from La Bianca Mansion. Yeah, but, uh, same neighborhood. That's not it's La Bianca home. They didn't live in a mansion. But, but yeah, there's all no, these expensive say, homes over you, there. And then you just hmm. see like this Adams Family house and you're just like, oh, that's where Danzig you used can, to live. You can Google what it looks like on the inside. There's just a mattress on the floor where he would lay down sluts like me. And give them a very mediocre shock. My friend Lenora, <laughs> uh, she used to live like around the corner over there for yeah. years. I mean, I think she still actually lives in Los Feliz, but she used to live around the corner from his house. And occasionally she'd see him uh, in the 7 Eleven with two skanks by a beer and cat litter. I want my <laughs> beer. <laughs> anyway, I want my skanks. I would say Glenn, Glenn Danzig's first four records are amazing. I still listen to him. Uh, daily yeah, basis da- probably weekly Danzig, basis for sure Danzig 1 to 4 cannot be fucked with yeah. 5 mm. eh, 5 is a little downhill but Danzig's 1 through 4 is great Snakes of Christ off the second record Lucifuge uh, is amazing we're end the show with that people will be back next week with episode 776 till then take a sleazy
Save us from the devil, please. <laughs> Y'all, I'm about to have a panic attack. <laughs> this is our country. Our country. This is awful. God, please save us, please.